right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. You don't got time that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. We have David Lesky joining the show at 340 to talk a little Royals baseball. Three episodes of RCST Trivia. I'll just say this. Awesome day of trivia. Great great awesome. day. Great yeah. day for trivia. So you're not going to want to miss that coming up at 4.05. We'll get into some NFL draft. A couple of uh, Jayhawks go undrafted but picked up afterwards. A little lie detector test. Some other news from uh, around the gamut and everything. But we'll start with uh, the latest on the transfer portal and recruiting from over the weekend and whatnot. So uh, we did a small segment on it on Friday when the news came down. Uh, but Arterio Morris officially picked KU. Also of note on the weekend, Primo Spears picked Florida State, which was after Morris, which makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, and then Jalen Tyson wrapped up his visit. Now, uh, this is a pretty pertinent piece of information. So Matt Jones of Kentucky Sports Radio, who uh, basically does what we do in Kentucky, except he's been years ahead of where our show is, and <laughs> they have like thousands and thousands times more people who uh, I mean I mean it's a very big deal like it's it's the it's the biggest show in <laughs> Kentucky hopefully one day that'd be cool if, if that was us for, for oh Kansas. it will be uh, but nonetheless he uh tweeted out that there are lots of rumblings that Hunter Dickinson will decide tomorrow also Michael Swain of 24/7 sports and fog.net uh kind of broke down that yeah the the idea is people are thinking he's going to decide tomorrow so the biggest linchpin the biggest uh I don't know, factoring piece in all of this Yes, could be deciding tomorrow. We could have some brand new news on that. Yes, which I think uh, uh, it could either be a huge relief or it could be maybe some panic for some people, depending on what way it goes, right? And I I would say this, like, you know, if Dickinson ends up picking somewhere that's not Kansas, I don't think there's any real reason to panic, right? Like, it's it's early enough in in the offseason that, like, you'll be able to overcome it, right? Like, it'll be fine. It'll be something you'll have to accept. But obviously, Kansas is in presumably the top three or four at this point. I mean, it's basically Villanova, Kentucky, Maryland, Kansas, I guess. Not necessarily in that order, but those four would be the top four at this point, I would say. Yeah, I I feel like KU Maryland, maybe the top two. Villanova was the last visit. Like, Kentucky is just the ultimate wild card here. It feels like Georgetown, like, that one's not really being brought up nearly as much. Yeah. Um, so, and, yeah. I mean, yeah, the Kentucky situation with Oscar makes it to where, yeah. who knows. And, and so, who knows? Maybe tomorrow we'll have something to talk about whether it's, you know, happens live or, you know, before the show. Um, I, I will say, to your point on there are other options now, like, clearly, if they add Hunter Dickinson, it changes them from being a top 10 team to being maybe the one team or like one of the top two or three teams, right? Yeah. I was messing around with Bart Torvik's roster cast before the show. Right now, they're number nine. So after adding Arterio Morris, they went from number nine to number nine. They didn't move at all. Um, if you add Jalen Tyson, they go up from nine to five. If you add just Mackenzie and Baco, they go up to number four. So like, obviously, there's a lot riding on Hunter Dickinson, and you want to get him, and it does give you your best chance at winning a title next year, without yeah. a doubt. 
there's well, still other avenues for you to be a top five team next here's, year, here's, which is Here's good. the real question that uh, I don't know if Bart Tober can answer this, but here's here's an interesting question. If Hunter Dickinson goes to Villanova, what is that? Does that make Villanova top one? That's a good question. Probably not. If he goes to Maryland, does that make them top one? Probably not. If he goes to Kentucky, does that make them top one? Maybe. But the you know the team that he has the potential to impact the most in terms of being the best team in the country would be Kansas. I don't think those other teams become a top two, three team in the country by adding him. Now you're making me want to do this. This is going to take me a little <laughs> bit of time to go through with all these different teams. But yeah, I mean, so to all your right, point, well, if you want me to just fill some time. Yeah, okay, so Kansas goes from 9 to 1. I've got Villanova's right here. They would go from, holy cow, they would go from 17 to 2. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's so how they good do he become is. a top top two team. Yeah, so they become number two at that point. But again, I guess Kansas number one. If you add uh, Hunter Dickinson to Kentucky, what would, be, what would be interesting about him going to Villanova is they have all these guards. Like they're bringing, you know, Justin Moore back and, yeah. and a bunch of these other guys. With Kentucky, it would be weird because they have a lot of other bigs on the roster. Kentucky would go from 10 to 1. Okay. And then uh, who is the other one? Maryland. Maybe, maybe right? I was just wrong. I guess he's just that impactful. <laughs> um, and okay, if we add him to Maryland, I'm not even going to bother adding to Georgetown because I mean, if that happens, Georgetown's not very good. So whatever. They go from 26 to eight with Maryland. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. But doesn't that, that just show how impactful he is? I mean, yes. this is this is a gigantic decision <clears throat> that is going to, in all likelihood, it's going to cause ripple effects. hundred uh, percent college know. basketball. Yes, and not just in terms of making one team skip up that high, but also in terms of what the other teams do. what the other teams do to respond yeah. from that. Yeah, absolutely, including Kansas. Yeah, if he doesn't come to Kansas. Yeah. Um, so as far as the the other stuff with um, Arteria Morris picking Kansas. Um, I've kind of gotten into my thoughts on that. Yeah. I'll it's just probably, kind of leave it at that. It's probably the the decision that we talked about the most besides yeah. Hunter Dickinson. Not necessarily because of the impact that he could have, but because of, you know, the situation surrounding it basically. Uh, which makes it a bit more of a gray area, certainly. Uh, and it's it's definitely a pickup that comes with a lot of risk and the reward could be pretty high, right? I mean, when you look at the possibilities for Kansas on the court, Arterio Morris and Dewan Harris is a top one defensive backcourt in the country. Is that the best defensive backcourt in the country? Mm, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think like off the top of my. I yeah, I mean, it's tough. To I'll, think, I'll just say yeah, yes. I'll just say tough. yes. You have it's a Big Twelve to, Defensive Player of the Year, sure. Exactly. It's tough to, to think, think of about like that, the others. Yeah, right? top, you don't know what certain freshmen are going to bring, right? Top like two a or three. Or something. I mean, certainly top five at worst defensive backcourt in the country. Mm-hmm. So that, that's your reward. But there is the risk that is involved with it that we've talked about with the off-the-court stuff. And and I'll, I'll just say this, a couple things about this. Number one, I think when you look at Bill Self's track record of handling off-the-court stuff involving players at KU, generally he has been pretty good. And what I mean by pretty good is usually, regardless of your talent level, he's not afraid to suspend you, to get you off the team, to issue punishments necessary for off-the-court stuff. In recent memory, you look at a guy like Josh Jackson, top-five recruit, didn't matter, suspended. And KU lost that game in the Big 12. I mean, KU could have won the Big 12 tournament, potentially, if they, if, he, if he doesn't do that. You look at a guy like Brandon Green, someone like LeGerald Vick, right, off-the-court stuff that that uh, Bill Self didn't take lightly, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you can look at that one of two ways. You can look at that as sort of a reassurance of like, okay, Bill Self in the past has taken this stuff pretty seriously, that means that he's probably, he and his staff have 
hopefully done their due diligence here and understand what's going on, understand the risks that they're taking by bringing on a player like Arterio Morris. And that gives you a little bit of reassurance of if KU's comfortable with them, then clearly they've done their research. They understand what's going on. And, you know, because obviously they, they should be privy to more information than we are right now based on the fact that he was able to come on a visit. They got to talk to him. They should have an understanding of that. And if, if they have that understanding and they're okay with bringing him on, great, sure. Or you could look at it the other way and say, well, okay, maybe in this ultra-competitive era of college basketball that we've entered into in the last couple of years with, you know, everything being so, so heightened in terms of importance, maybe KU has kind of pivoted to a different direction and just said, you know what, we want the best talent. We want the best talent regardless of anything else. So you can kind of look at that one of two ways. I mean, I, I think for me, I would still err on the side of I trust Bill Self and I trust the KU staff to have done their due diligence, to have done their research and understand what they're getting into, knowing the risks and knowing that, you know, listen, they, I mean, they had a they, – they, KU basically – you look at Primo Spears' committee, KU basically had an option in the chamber, I would say, essentially, with Primo Spears, right, if, if they didn't want Arturio Morris. So to me, that indicates that clearly they were okay with taking on this everything else surrounding Arturio Morris and bringing him on. And so I just hope that that means that they did do their research, they do understand the situation, they know what they're getting into, and the rally situation is he has an upcoming trial date, I think, so you know there will hopefully be some more clarity one way or the other regarding that. And you know if more comes out of it in a, in a negative light, then then yeah, I think there needs to be there needs to be some some questions for for Ku at that point of you know hey did you know this did you know about this ahead of time what you know what what was your knowledge going into that and why are you still okay with doing something like this or you know if it ends up being if it ends up going the other way then you can say okay you know here's a guy who maybe deserves a second chance and he's looking for a clean slate and he's got a lot of talent and why not at Kansas but it's 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 certainly a a difficult situation to sort of come to terms with I think if you're looking at it from the outside because on one hand you believe in second chances people believe in second chances but on the other hand you know you always hear the phrase where there's smoke there's fire right and if there is fire and it comes to KU there probably needs to be a little bit more of scrutiny done of yeah okay you know you you had some other options of maybe guys that weren't as talented weren't the big headline names, weren't the five-star guys, but probably would have made impact for your team, and you decided to go for this instead. And, you know, I think really <clears throat> the best way to put it, I guess, would be KU's kind of made their bed at this point, right? They're, they've made their bed, and it's either going to be a soft, plush bed where everything works out and Morris ends up, you know, becoming a guy who is a high-impact player on the court and is and they're able to clear up everything else, or it could be a bed of nails, Right. And that's just kind of how it is at this point for, for KU. And, you know, regardless of which way it goes, like I said, my, my biggest thing at this point is I just, I, me personally, I just still have to believe that, that this staff and Bill Self did what they needed to do behind the scenes to gather up any information they did, needed to pertinent to the situation and, and trust that they, that they made the right decision here to, to bring on somebody who, Maybe may very well be deserving of a second chance, but it's it's tough to say tough to say at this point. Yeah, I think a lot of people are taking that same stance. I uh, I'll just I don't know. You say that um, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, 
Okay, so how, how do they divvy up their open scholarships at this point? Um, Hunter Dickinson, you're waiting him. You now have one scholarship open after bringing on Morris. You just had the visit with Jalen Tyson. What happens if Jalen Tyson says right now, hey, I want to commit there? Do you have to wait for Hunter Dickinson? Is that decision coming tomorrow? Do you have to wait for Tyson there? Are you taking both guys? Oh, well, and listen, KU has tried to slow play some other guys, and it's kind of backfired a little bit, right? Yeah. So if you if you go to Tyson and say, yeah, you know, we're waiting on this other guy, <coughs> uh, Hunter Dickinson, <coughs> uh, you know, what what's what's his response going to yeah. be? Is he going to say, hey, listen, I've got some connections at Cal. I, I know those guys pretty well, and I, I understand, you know, that they're going to be a team that's going to utilize me whatever way or however. See ya, right? Like, is that a possibility? I well, it could be. I mean, that's basically what happened with Harrison Ingram, right? Now, if the decision actually is tomorrow, then maybe it would be easier to, at that point, slow play because it's like, can you just wait, like, one more day? You know? <laughs> like, it's it's not that big of a deal. Dude, I, it's 2023. People don't have patience. That's true. I, I do think that even though you look at it on paper and you go, Kansas only has one open scholarship, well, clearly they have to wait for Dickinson to see what Tyson... I, I don't think they are. I, I think it's independent. I think if Jalen Tyson wanted to commit today, I think KU takes him. I think then KU still tries to take Hunter Dickinson, obviously, tomorrow or yeah. whenever you, that happens. You've always been of the stance of it's, It'll figure it's it more out. of a, you know, get who you want and figure the rest out later, right? Yeah. And at this point, Kansas is locked in on Hunter Dickinson. Jalen Tyson definitely has some interest. There's a couple of freshmen that have decommitted that KU is clearly interested in. And, yeah, maybe it is independent. Maybe it is, you know what, hey, get on board. We'll figure out the rest later. You know, we'll, we st- we're still waiting to see what happens with, with Kyle Cuff. We're still waiting to see what occurred with the Chris Johnson thing that happened last week or whatever. So there's there's definitely some ways in which Kansas can still uh, maneuver to, to be okay in terms of scholarships. Uh, and, and, yeah, I mean, I think for Kansas, Dickinson committing earlier is probably the best-case scenario. Right? Oh, yeah. Because either he comes to KU and it's like, all right, well, we're good. Or he doesn't, and then it's like, okay, well, now we know and we can go start you know, figuring out plan B or whatever whatever other options are. So they're, they're probably very happy if that's the case, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, I, I, I continue to be of the opinion. You know, one thing that we haven't really talked about of getting a scholarship open, because what you mentioned, like what if it was a freshman? What if it is a Chris Johnson or somebody that, you know, they're able to get away from? Or, or what if they do get Kyle Cuff out and open up a scholarship that way? Or the idea of basically paying for a walk-on under NIL um, yeah. money to basically be a walk-on NIL scholarship player, like in, in a certain way of speaking. <laughs> One thing we haven't talked about is as part of this self-imposed sanctions, yep. it's a, it, it it's written in there, th- a loss of three scholarships over three years. It does not clarify specifically that it says it has to be one every year or that it has, right? What? what if, yeah, I guess everyone's just assuming it'd be one, it'd be one every year, year. But, like, what if they just don't? What if What if they do have one year where well, they lose two? I guess you know? here's an interesting question. And you make a run at a title does, this does year. Does KU have to, like, clarify that? I don't think they do. I think as long as they lose the three scholarships over the three years. But, like, I guess, I guess at what point do they say, like, this is the number of scholarship players we have, or this is the number of right. Like I, so I'm pretty I'm sure. Saying? Yeah, like, I'm, they, like at some point, do they have to say like this is our number? Yeah. So I, I'm pretty. We, we were obviously talking to Matt Tate about a little bit about these like scholarship workarounds with NIL and stuff last week, and the way he put it is that it doesn't have to be something they release to the public. They have to release it to the NCAA, like in private. 
Yeah. But they don't have to ever release that to so the they public. Could just so we have, might never know. Yeah, so they could just, yes. you know, do whatever they want, basically, and not necessarily... I mean, yeah. you could you could maybe take an educated guess right. based on the roster. Well, maybe you like, could ask them in a presser, and, and maybe they would be up front. Maybe they wouldn't. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why there'd be any reason to hide it. But, um, yeah, I mean... Well, there would be if, know, it was, if, it, if you were trying to do the workaround with right. by paying NIL guys, maybe you wouldn't want to tell people sure. what it is. But, like, for instance... What if KU added Hunter Dickens and Jalen Tyson and everybody's like, oh, that means somebody's transferring out. Nobody transfers out. And everybody's just like, wait, what's what's going on here? And they have no idea. But there are ways that, right, that we just don't know about that it wouldn't be released publicly. Yeah. yeah. So that is a real situation where you're just like, you know what? You just take two next year or whatever? We'll just, you'll just take two. In the, because the scenario that we talked about with with doing the NIL payment for a scholarship, to, to have an extra walk-on player basically be a scholarship the, the player. The whole hold-up to it was the IARP stuff. Correct. So if, if they announced this summer, and then next summer, you can do whatever the Correct. hell you want. Exactly. Okay. I like that we're connecting some so dots. So isn't that like a good workaround? Yes. Yes. You just dots, don't take any of the lost scholarships are being connected <laughs> in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And boom. Then you're then you're good. Then you can bring on a couple more players, you know. And then everything's figured out. And you don't have to worry about it. And you make the run for a title this year. And you say, let's figure out yes. the scholarship stuff. Later. Literally, the only holdup to that idea of being in play this year is the stupid IARP stuff. Correct. That's supposed to happen this summer. Exactly. Allegedly. Allegedly. For the last like five yeah. summers. Uh, what happens first? Hunter Dickinson decides, or the IARP? <laughs> no, obviously Hunter Dickinson. I yeah, I feel like the IARP stuff that. Who knows? They say it'll be this year. It'll be at the end of the summer. That would be kind of annoying if it stretched on to another summer, though. But I guess, hypothetically, I, I don't know. Like, what happens if the IRP is like, no, we want you to lose more scholarships Well, the IRP the is supposed to disband, though. So they can't yeah. keep delaying. Because if they delay long enough, they'll just no longer be a thing. And then they can't rule anything. Yeah, How are know. you supposed to rule on something if you don't exist? Riddle me that, huh? I don't know. But point being, we, we have found yet another way for them to... It's it's like I saw somebody comparing scholarship numbers in, in college basketball or maybe just in college sports in general are similar to the, the salary cap in the NFL. Like, in theory, there is a limit. It does have certain limitations, but there are so many workarounds <laughs> that basically make it like it's not real. There's so many yeah. loopholes and ways to get around it. Yeah. Um, all right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Three trivia matchups coming up at 4.05. David Lesky will join us in less than 20 minutes. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Got some more RCST trivia coming at you at 4.05. But first, we catch up. On the week that was for the Kansas City Royals with David Lesky of Inside the Crown. I'll start you off with a uh, a real easy one, a true or false question. So you have a 50% chance to, I guess, be right or wrong, or I don't know if it's an opinion. Can't really be right or wrong. Uh, nonetheless, true or false, the Royals ending a nine-game losing streak at Minnesota on a wild pitch is the most 2023 Royals win of all time. Um, false, because there's no such thing as the most Royals 2023 win. <laughs> there's, not, there's not enough to know what their wins are like. <laughs> that is true. I just, it, it was funny, you know, seeing that that headline written out. I saw somewhere. Was, I know, you know, I know. Um, <laughs> it, just, was, it was very, it was very royal, though, yes. for sure. <laughs> yes, 100%. Um, so I, I guess right now, um, there's a bunch of hitters struggling for the Royals. And I know you teased this in uh, your weekend review that you were going to be writing about these struggling hitters coming up here soon. Maybe most notable amongst them is Bobby Witt Jr. At what point do you start to worry about Bobby Witt Jr. having that full-fledged sophomore slump? 
So that's actually what tomorrow's article will be about, is a sophomore slump. And and something that I, I think that we maybe willingly, unwillingly, I don't know, we ignored it. Um, like, the fact of the matter is, the sophomore slump is, is it, the terminology exists for a reason. It's not just like, oh, well, one guy struggled, so there's a sophomore slump. No, it's, it's because hitters struggled. The thing about Witt that I find really interesting is there's a lot of people way down on him, and I, and I get it. It's because he what did he he went one for what eighteen this weekend? Is that right? Um, whatever the number was, doesn't matter. Leading up to leading up to the series in Minnesota, there 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 are two ways you can look at this. Leading up to the series in Minnesota, his previous fifteen games hit three thirteen with a three forty three on base and five sixteen slugging percentage. So if we had had this conversation four days ago. The, the question would be, what is Bobby Witt doing right? How has he gotten back on track? <laughs> and, and now here we are four days later going, why is Bobby Witt so bad? Why is he not living up to potential? Why, you know, so I think that that's interesting. And, and the reason that I think it can go two ways is, one, in a bad series. And you say, well, he, was, he hit really well leading up to that. He was looking good. Nothing to worry about. The other side of that, and this is where – uh, this is where the sophomore slump side comes in. This, the, previous, the series that he did put, put up those numbers in those 15 games were against the Rangers, the Braves, the Rangers again, the Angels, and the Diamondbacks. Those are all teams that he hasn't, I mean, he hasn't seen a ton of those teams, right? I mean, it, it, he's only played one season, and he, they, you know, the Rangers saw him twice in, in, in a week and a half, so maybe there's something there. Um, I also think it's worth noting that those the second three games against the Rangers, he went uh, two for 11. So, you know, one was a triple, one was a home run. But still, the concern for me is that the team that knows him the best of all those knew exactly how to pitch him and get him out. And and that, that's where I find some concern with Bobby Witt Jr. Um, but, again, if we have this conversation four days ago, it's, wow, Bobby Witt figured it out. How How great is that? So, I don't know where my level of concern is <laughs> to answer that question. It's, it's very, um, it's odd just because I, I'm not really a hundred percent sure what to think of it. I don't know if, if you've already done some research and you have some player comparisons for this, or I don't know if this is tough to, to put you on the spot on, but like just off the top of my head, I'm, I'm wondering if there is a, because like you said, it happens enough with the sophomore slump, but I guess my question would be, do guys that typically have sophomore slumps, do they, like, how many of them end up never getting it back? How many of them still turn into, like, superstars? Or is that usually a signal where usually the guys who don't have the sophomore slumps are the ones that are superstars, where there's the ones that do have sophomore slumps can still be good players, but they don't develop to that? Like, do you have any idea what it could be indicative of for his future? Uh, I don't have enough of a sample to, t- to give the answer, but there, there's a couple of players who come to mind whenever you mention sophomore slump. Um, the first one, Gary Carter, you know, he hit what, like 219. I, I, I looked this up earlier with the three something on slugging percentage, 280 ish on base percentage. So he's a hall of famer. Um, obviously turn things around the, the, ne- the very next year, he turned things around. Um, so he, he comes to mind. The other one, that comes to mind locally is Carlos Beltran, who won Rookie of the Year. He wasn't probably as good as the numbers looked 
Well, his numbers looked much better today. Looked much better today than they did then. He had a 99 OPS plus, but still, he was he won Rookie of the Year and was looked like a superstar. Next year, he hit 247, 309, 366, and it was people were concerned. Um, and and I understand why. I, I totally get it. You know, he 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 really struggled. Obviously, he turned things around. So those are the two that come to mind. So I, I don't know. There might be three more out of 100 who became superstars. But those are the two that I always think about when I think about guys struggling in their second years. And, you know, looking, just looking at the article that I've, I've started, um, a lot of the, I, I looked at the top um, way to run created plus for rookies last season and, and looked at the top 10. You know, Joey Manessi's, Manessi, I don't know how he says it. Um, he was an older rookie, but he struggled this year. Julio Rodriguez uh, hitting 239, 301, 442. It's not good. <laughs> the, the, he, he's, his struggles are part of the reason why the Mariners are under 500. You know, it's um, not great for him. Michael Harris, um, second, he's a little different because he got hurt, but he's, his numbers are way down. Brendan Donovan's numbers are, are pretty far down, although his fucking percentage isn't too bad. David VR for the Giants, he looked pretty good last year, looks terrible this year. Oscar Gonzalez has, has just been terrible for the Guardians. Guys like Jake McCarthy, who had a really nice rookie year, he already got sent down. Um, and Jay Melendez is another one who, I mean, you don't, you don't love this on the same team, obviously, but um, he's, he's taken a hit. So, I mean, even just this year, you look at guys who were pretty well regarded last season, and they have, I mean, especially Julio Rodriguez, he got himself a, what, a $450 million potential contract. And not, not that I'd, I'd worry about him, but look, 239 with a 301 on base is not what you want from, from your superstar. It just isn't. So, um, and there, there are others who didn't struggle. Vinny Pasquantino's turned in a really nice start to his 2023 season, right on the Royals. Adley Rushman's been good. We'll see him this week and, uh, with, with the Orioles coming in. Stephen Kwan, his, his plugging percentage is way down, but his on base percentage is right around where it was last season. I mean, he's kind of doing the same thing. So it, it doesn't, necessarily mean that guys are going to struggle but I, I think it's it's way more common than i think we wanted to let ourselves believe coming into the season yeah and i guess there there still is the possibility who knows what if it's not a sophomore slump and it's just this is the i guess typical bobby witt like slow start to the season too right it could be yeah i mean could be that too um, another name jose miranda the other guy who I, I i haven't got into yet in my article but he he looked really good last year. We saw a lot of him with the Twins, right? I mean, he, he hit the ball hard. He did a lot of really good things. He has been awful this year. We wouldn't know it from watching him this weekend. <laughs> but he has been, he's been bad. And he, he, he put up a, a above-average rookie season offensively. So, yeah, it, it, but you're right. Bobby Wood Jr., he started slow in the past. Um, calendar slips now. So we'll see. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But, again, I keep coming back to the idea that Four days ago, it was everything was looking good for Bobby Witt, and now it's everything looking bad for Bobby Witt. So, you know, who, who knows? Well, there there are some hitters that that are doing well. Edward Olivares had a really nice yeah. week with the bat. Uh, what do you envision his future with the team is, uh, especially as it regards to not just the rest of this season, but you know, for for years to come? Do you see him being a important piece of this team? He, he's so interesting because remember last year we talked about the roster didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, Oliver, he's he's not a great fit. I mean, to, to, you know, the, the overall he doesn't hit well enough to DH, and he's 
not a good enough defender to play the outfield. Um, I, I, that, that, that's maybe a little bit too simplistic. I think if you have Tyler Isbell and Drew Waters in the outfield, which Drew Waters is starting a rehab assignment tomorrow, so that could happen soon, I think you can live with Mal- or with um, Oliver in the corner. The problem is you've got MJ Melendez, who has to play a corner because Salvador Perez is behind the plate. Um, so it, it's, it gets tricky, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know. Do you have to – if Bramo Reyes DHing a lot of days, um, do you need to be on the roster? <laughs> you know, it, but then also you've got Nick Prado up now, and so Pasquantino can only play first base or DH. It goes back to this roster just not working very well, and they're probably going to have to make a trade. Um, so the question then becomes, is Edward Olivares the piece they trade, or is it Edward Melendez? Um, because I, I feel like the roster – Everything can work, except for those two are just in, in in constant opposition of each other. There is another way around it, obviously. I mean, Kyle Isbell has not hit. And Drew Waters, when he comes back, he could play center field. He's a good defender. You could put Olivares and Melendez flanking him. That scares me. It scares me when I see those two flanking Isbell <laughs> defensively. So... I don't really know where the future is. I I think that you judge him now. It's kind of like, again, going back to Bobby Witt. Right now, we look at Edward Olivares and say, you have to play him every day. He's one of the best hitters on the team. He's hot, all that. Ten days ago, people were going, well, he's not even a big leaguer because he can't play defense and he can't hit. And so I I think that there's some level of sort of falling prey to the small samples of of seven to ten days, and the beginning of the season, which is still a small sample. Nobody wants to hear it. it, it people are tired of hearing about that because you're seven and 22. You don't want to hear about, oh, it's a small sample. Don't worry. I'm not saying don't worry, but it is a small sample. So where he fits is, is just so interesting to me. I, I, think, I think they've got to figure out what they're going to do in center field, um, and I think they've got to figure out what they're going to do with MJ Melendez. And then Edward Olivares fits in. Somewhere, if somebody isn't on the roster, I don't know who that somebody is, but if every if all those guys I mentioned during the big leagues, if it's Prado, Pasquantino, Oliveris, Waters, Isbell, and Melendez, it's kind of tough to find that spot. Yeah, and to that notion, a guy that you just talked about at the end there, uh, Nick Prado got brought up on what was it Friday and he goes six of what six of 12 something like that over the weekend hit six hits so over the three game series with the twins so he looked good out there how the heck do you do you factor in him into all this as well I don't know and and Prado's really interesting to me we talked we talked about it last year the guy didn't swing enough and that everybody wondered well why does he strike out so much if he has such good plate discipline that's because he has such good plate discipline because he he refused to swing the bat until he got a pitch he could absolutely drive. And that's a great mindset to have. The problem, that works for Vinny Pasquantino because Vinny Pasquantino can both drive the ball and has a, he has a great knowledge of the strike zone, but he also can make contact. His, his bat control is so good that he can hit with two strikes. We, we, we've heard all the numbers. The problem with Prado yeah, he doesn't have a great great bat to ball skills. He has a lot of power. That's for sure. We've we've seen it. We have even he has six singles so far since he's been back. So we haven't seen it yet here, but we've seen it before. Last season, Triple A in twenty twenty one. We know he can hit the ball out of the park. 
Um, the problem is he, he there's a lot of swing and miss in his game. He has a nice swing, but there it just doesn't make a ton of contact. And so when he gets to a position where he said, "Oh, I don't, I'm not swinging at that because I can't drive it. I'm not swinging at that because I can't drive it." Well, oh, that's great, but it's going two now, and and now you've got to swing at anything close, and your contact skills aren't great. So strikeout. Well, what he's done in the minors is he, this year he said, I'm, "I'm swinging more," and it hasn't. It's cut down his walks a little bit because he's not getting deep enough into counts to get to walks sometimes, but he's he's swung at pitches. When you give yourself three chances to hit the ball, you're more likely to do it than when you give yourself one chance. And that's been a big change for him. Um, the power hasn't quite been there yet. And so I guess if we say we've seen him hit for power, we know he can. We haven't seen him hit for power with this approach. So maybe there's a little bit of concern there, but he's really interesting. And yeah, if he's on the field, he should probably be Probably be playing first base. He's a really, really good first baseman, and he's just a—I don't think he's a bad outfielder, but he's a really good first baseman. So that then causes some issues. Um, I think he's going to play a lot more outfield than he should, just because of the way the roster is constructed. But again, that then leads to issues with Olivares and Melendez and, and all that. It's just—it's this every time you bring up one person on this roster, you push somebody to a point where they don't fit. <laughs> and and so they're going to have to make some decisions here relatively soon as everybody gets healthy. And I don't, I don't know what their answer is going to be. Well, I, I think once per year, I am both allowed and I do ask you about the, I don't know, trade availability or possibilities of Salvador Perez as, as low of a percentage as they seem to be every year. And to that notion about fitting the roster together. If you're talking about, well, you move MJ Melendez, the catcher, and then it opens up some of those corner spots, Salvador Perez getting a little bit older there. I guess how feasible do you think that would be this year? Um, I think it's pretty unlikely um, for a couple reasons. One, MJ Melendez. Um, I don't I don't think the Royals see him as a long-term piece, not because they don't think he can be good enough, but because they don't think he'll sign an extension. Mm. And. So I would anticipate that they would not open up a spot for him by trading their franchise stalwart and knowing that they're going to be moving him in a couple of years too. So that, that's the first part of it. The second part, I don't know what Salvi's trade value is. I don't think it's terribly high, to be completely honest, because he makes so much money. Now, they can pay down the contract and, and you have, I, don't, I haven't looked, but you'd have 12 teams probably asking for him. So if they would pay half the deal, okay. Maybe we're talking about uh, and value, but I, it's a pretty bad look to trade a guy who is still playing at a fairly high level and is your franchise, probably the second icon in franchise history. I would say he's behind George Brett, but I don't think he's behind anybody else. Um, and have to pay down the contract just to move him. <laughs> I just, I just don't foresee that happening. I think that they could move him if they did, but ooh, I don't think they would. Uh, before we let you go, player of the week, uh, Edward Olivares. He, yeah. uh, what was him? He was four seventeen with five hundred on base, eight thirty three slugging percentage. He hit in every game. He stole two bases. Um, he, he, by Fangraphs wins above replacement, he was worth. Point six this week alone. That's so. If you, if you, it's a, it's a counting stat. So if you prorate that, what is that times twenty six? Uh, <laughs> puts him at twelve. 
He's Mike Trout. He's Mike Trout. And a half. <laughs> he's, no, he no. He makes Mike Trout look like, um, well, Bobby Witt Jr. right now. <laughs> he's, he's, he is that much better than everybody if you prorate that. So, yeah, he's hands down, easy choice. But also, I will give a vote. Uh, the bullpen. Hmm. The bullpen was outstanding this week, and they had to be because the starting rotation was terrible. Um, so that that was the bullpen honestly, that I thought we were going to see um, at, at the start of the season. They have been they've been really good for the last, uh, the whole road trip, really, but the last week specifically, they were, they were fantastic. He is David Lesky. You can check out all his work inside the crown. Subscribe to his Substack. Also, if you're a paid subscriber, you're eligible for a giveaway. Two tickets, parking to see Lorenzo Kane retire as a Royal for his uh, retirement game, and um, you just get to check out all of David's awesome work. So do that right That's now. True. I, I think everybody should do it. Yeah, exactly. Well, David, appreciate the time as always, man, and uh, talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Derek. All right. That's David Lesky inside the crown joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. RCST trivia, three matchups start next. Four o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com or the KLWN app. You can also catch us on the best of RCST podcast with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have three trivia matchups coming at you today. The first of which will feature our one seed, Justin Nichols, taking on the 16, Christopher Seidel. Then we have another one seed going, Tyler Feist, against the 16 seed, Chris Freeman. We had a one seed go down last week. Eric advanced as the the one one seed, but uh, we had a big 16 seed upset. So we'll see if we get another one today. It has been the trivia tournament of upsets so far. We only had one of the four two seeds advance. So far, uh, one seed has already lost. So, I mean, uh, I don't know. Do, do we blame the... Uh, Selection committee for how they seeded things. I don't know. And then we'll have an uh, 8-9 matchup, Russell Heitman versus Nathaniel Abeda to finish out the day here with RCST Trivia. We are brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, River Rat Print and Skate, Mini Jerseys, Jayhawk Trophy, Homefield Apparel, Sporting KC2, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. One of our title sponsors, Pella Windows and Doors. Next trivia question, what Windows and Doors provider has been serving Kansas since 1957? The answer, your locally owned Pella Windows and Doors of Kansas with six showrooms across the state from Lawrence all the way to Dodge City. Got a Windows and Doors project. Pella Kansas is here, locally owned and proudly serving Jayhawks for over 65 years with windows and door solutions for every home and any budget. Schedule your free consultation at PellaKS or PellaKansas.com. One of our other title sponsors, Johnny's Tavern. Did you know in 2023, Johnny's Tavern is celebrating its 70th anniversary? That's good news for you because they'll be having all sorts of specials at your local Johnny's throughout the year. Stay tuned for more details about a 70th anniversary celebration at our original location in North Lawrence where you can be part of the neighborhood porch. Of course, there's now 13 locations of Johnny's all the way from Topeka to Raymore, Missouri, which is the newest store. You can eat the Nuclelouche pizza. You can have the buffalo chicken dip. You can get one of their great burgers. I love the sweet potato fries, the Wilson wings, anything in between. And you know, with the weather heating up, ice cold beer sounds good. So how about trying the blue collar lager, a beer you can only get at Johnny's that's brewed by Free State Brewing Company. With that said, we have our 116 between Justin and Christopher. Let's get into the matchup. So we've got a 116 matchup between Justin Nichols, who has gone seven and two in trivia matchups all time, 24 and five on questions. He won the third place game a season ago. He's got two seasons. 16s. And meanwhile, we have a newcomer at the 16 seed, Chris Seidel, 
Uh, so I guess first things for you, Justin, I appreciate you wearing the uh, home field apparel shirt with the uh, beware of the fog there. You can get that for making the grade eight this year. I believe that's uh, a prize that was given for that around last year, too. Uh, you're making your run back. You finished third last season, which was a great run for you. Uh, so, so where do you go from there? Is it just trying to repeat what you did? Is it using that as motivation that you were so close to winning it all? What, what are your thoughts headed into this tournament? Yeah, I, you know, try to try to get back to there and see if you can do a little better this time in the final four would be great. Um, you know, I heard the I heard the preview show that you guys did, and I, I heard your uh, your co-host was was doubting me a little bit on that. So that's motivation for me too. I want to make sure that you know, I, I, it's always good to have somebody to prove wrong. So I'm I'm hoping that I can do that. But I'm sure Chris is going to be a good opponent for me. Well, there we go. If we get a Justin versus uh, Isaac final, that would certainly uh, cause some trouble for Nick. Uh, Chris, you're you're 16 seed, but you know don't take any slight to that. It's just based on we don't have a track record on you when you join stuff like right. that. Realistically, do you do you feel like you're underseeded, or do you kind of like having the 16 seed where there's no pressure? You know, I kind of like having the uh, 16 seed. I, I honestly thought that they were all like random. I'm pretty new to this and stuff. Um, Kind of new to like the Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I've listened to like a lot of the more like Locked On Jayhawks recently and stuff like that, which have been great with the transfer portal and everything. So appreciate your work on that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I honestly thought all the seeding was random. So then I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. You know, I'm a 16 seed. You just like laugh it all. Give me a little bit of motivation. Maybe I can be a Harley Dickinson in this. Uh, uh, tournament. Well, it's, it really is a two-year process sometimes. We had Mike Colton, who, or not Mike Colton, excuse me, uh, Paul Stevens, who was a, I mean, Mike was a 16 seed at one point, upset a one seed. Paul was a 16 last year and almost upset the defending champ, and that got him an eight seed this year. So it really can be a two-way play, but this should make you feel better. Last uh, last episode or, or last whatever on Friday for RCST, we had a 16 seed beat a one seed. So uh, it is entirely possible. Justin, uh, with Ryan Brown, who you beat in the third place game, going down in the first round, does that does that put you on pins and needles a little bit more here in that first round? Yeah, Ryan's a pretty smart guy, so you know I know that and he knows his stuff. So uh, he's friends with he's friends of mine. Um, you know I know he knows what he's talking about. So yeah, it makes me a little bit nervous to see him go down. Um, certainly been studying up on my Big Twelve tournament stuff since I since that's what he went out on. <laughs> Yeah, you never know what you're going to get that specific day. All right, well, uh, let's get into it. Chris, you are the lower seeds. You have the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Um, Let's go first. Why not? All right, going to rip the Band-Aid off. We're starting the really easy round of things. First up for you, Chris. KU's interim coach for their NCAA tournament games, as well as the start of the season, was Norm Blank. What's his last name? I believe it's um, Norm seconds. Roberts. Huh? 10 seconds, okay. I believe it is Norm Roberts. Norm Roberts is the correct answer. Roberts was the last name there. You had me scared a little bit. All I right. know, I was second guessing myself there. <laughs> okay, this one for you, Justin. What was the name of the head coach that Norm Roberts was filling in for as the interim guy? Bill Self. Yep, that's right. Yeah, the Bill Self went a little easier there, but that's why we gave you the first <laughs> name for Norm. All right, so on to the easy round we go. Back to you, Chris. 
Chris, what two seed from the Big East did Kansas lose to in the Elite Eight of the 2016 NCAA tournament after Devontae Graham fouled out? Uh, I believe that would be Villanova. That would be Villanova. That was uh, not a fun one, that's for sure. No. There's an alternate universe where it's a, a jump ball and Devontae doesn't foul out, and who knows what happens. All right, Justin, for you, what six seed from the Pac-12 did Kansas lose to by 34 points in the second round of the 2021 NCAA tournament? USC. Yeah, also not a fun one for different reasons. They <laughs> <laughs> just never had a shot from the get-go. All right. 2-0 for both of you. Moving up from the really easy and the easy, we move on to the medium round. Back to you, Chris. In a November game in 2006, it was a non-conference game played in Las Vegas. Kansas beat what defending national champions 82-80 to in overtime? Um, I believe that would be the Florida Gators. That would be the Florida Gators. That was a ton of fun. That was an awesome game. Kansas team ended up losing in the Elite Eight, and Florida ended up repeating as national champions. If uh, Key wouldn't have lost in the Elite Eight, they would have met Florida in the Final Four. All right, Justin, for you, in that game, Kansas beats Florida in Las Vegas in overtime. Awesome game. They were led in that game in points at 21 and rebounds at 10 by this sophomore swingman forward from Chicago. What's his name? What was the year again? It was 2006, so the 06-07 season. Sophomore forward. Julian Wright. Julian Wright is the correct answer there. There were a lot of really good forwards on that team, but Julian Wright usually, because he went pro after his sophomore year, which was that season. That's usually the giveaway clue there. Okay, this is, gonna, this is a good one. One sixteen matchup going to the hard round. We always love to see that. Back to you, Chris. The 1969 to 1970 Kansas Jayhawks finished 17 and nine. But despite that record not being anything too special, this Jayhawk big man still netted 26 and a half points per game, over 12 rebounds per game in route to big eight player of the year. What's his name? I want to say, hmm. That'd have been Jojo White? That is incorrect. Jojo White was a guard. The key one here is big man, and that would be Dave Robish. Oh, okay. Dave Robish, the correct answer. All right, well, we'll see. Justin, you got a chance to get by the first round here. Otherwise, it'll go back to Chris. All right, Justin, the following season, Dave Robish won Big Eight Player of the Year again, and Kansas made the Final Four. Robish led the team that next year at 19 points per game. Who was second on that team with over 16 points per game? It's probably... So the 70-71 season? Correct. That would have been Bud Stallworth, right? That would have been Bud Stallworth. That is the correct answer. And just like that, Justin, you are moving on. You were tested a bit here in the first round, but uh, a nice win nonetheless. Let me ask you if, if you would have had the other question there, the Dave Robish one, would you have got that one correct? Yeah. Uh, for Chris, if you would have got the Bud Stallworth one, would you have known that? Um, so Bud Stallworth was actually my my fallback answer compared to JoJo White. So 
Maybe. I don't know. I was kind of thinking that era a little bit. Um, but yeah, Dave, Dave was not on my, uh, on my, on my brain there. So yep. I think all that time, was wrong regardless. Yeah. Those, those sixties, seventies, those are the years that are a little bit more forgotten in the KU era. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. It's after the Wilt Chamberlain years. It's before the Danny Manning years and everything. Uh, I will say this, Chris, though, you go three and one in your trivia debut. And this is kind of what I'm talking about that, you know, we hope we get you back next year because I tell you that based on this performance, you're going to get much higher than a 16 seed. If you All come right. back, <clears throat> there we go. I appreciate that. You know, get a little bit of respect, even though, you know, uh, I mean, Justin's a great competitor, obviously. I mean, he's definitely a seasoned veteran, it seems. So definitely well-deserved of that one seed. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, Justin, you're moving on to uh, round two in the Johnny's Tavern region. And uh, that means you're going to take on the winner of Matt Reuter and Jess Coffey. But um, I guess just, I don't know, uh, celebrations tonight? Is it going to be kind of a muted response? Uh, what's going to be your, your go-to after this? Just get back to work, you know. I, I was a little bit, little bit worried there. I, I had that moment of thinking, "God, is it Pierre Russell instead of Bud Stallworth?" So I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to take a breath. But um, yeah, just get back to work, study some more, and, and be ready for the next one whenever it comes. Well, guys, we appreciate the time. Uh, Justin, we'll see you in a, about a week or so. Sounds good. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, yep. Chris. Right, thanks, guys. Appreciate you. So that was a fun one sixteen matchup. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was worried at the beginning. Yeah, at first it was like Chris. You know, he struggled with the Norm Roberts one on the very easy. But you know, listen. Uh, you 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 mentioned it after we after we finished up the matchup. It's like sometimes you just kind of brain fart for a little bit yeah. on, on a name like that or something. It's like so obvious, but you can't think of it or it's right on the tip of your tongue. So, uh, uh, I think some great poise shown by Chris to not get too flustered and get that question right. And then he and then he eventually I thought showed off a, a lot of knowledge and seems like a, a very capable opponent. Oh, for sure. Um, he'll get a much higher seed if he comes back next year, which we hope yeah. he does. Yeah. For Justin, you can see why he's a one seed. He's just yeah. a pro. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm starting to question why I would have <laughs> suggested that he might be vulnerable because apparently this dude's a genius. I don't know. <laughs> Did well in, in football last year. Did well in basketball. Made third place. He has another sizzling 16. Yeah. Seems like he's uh, going to be riding. Uh, I don't know, on a, a long run again this year. So, uh, yeah, Justin certainly has staying power in the tournament, as he's proved in uh, some seasons past. Yeah, he stayed calm, cool, and collected. And and because, you know, like, uh, with, with with I don't think this really happened with the Ryan Brown matchup either. But, you know, if you're a one seed and the 16 seed's kind of unknown and the 16 seed comes in and, you mm-hmm. know, really nails the first couple questions, that kind of puts more pressure back on you. But he handled it well and then is able to move on. Yeah, 100%. And, and I mean, those were those were difficult. Hard. I, I don't think a lot of people would have gotten Dave Robish or Bud Stallworth. No, no, those were tough medium yeah. questions for sure. Those were difficult ones. Yeah. So uh, good stuff from Justin, and we right, have another one one sixteen matchup coming up next. We already have, like we said, one sixteen seed who won. Will we get another one coming up next? It'll be Tyler Feist, the defending trivia champion, looking to start his defending. Championship run, trying to go back to back, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so we'll get to that next. You're listening to RCST Trivia. Our title sponsors brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, River at Print and Skate, and 23rd Street Brewery. We'll be back for that next matchup next with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. 1-1 one, one seed already advancing today. It means we have two one seeds getting through, one 16 seed, the final one seed goes in our very next matchup between the defending champion, Tyler Feist, and a 16 seed, a newcomer in Chris Freeman. This is going to be in the 23rd Street Brewery region. Of course, 23rd Street Brewery is one of 
our title sponsors here. Great spot to watch all the games, all the action, whether you're watching Royals baseball during the summer, KU football, KU basketball, some high school action, Chiefs on Sundays. You can check out the patio, too, right now during the summer with the weather heating up. Even bring your dog. It's a pup patio out there. they got great service, great beer, absolute classics on the menu, like the Fitzgerald Rubin or the chicken strips are awesome, or you can get any of their pastas. All their sandwiches are great. Check them all out. Uh, Bill Self Mac and Cheese, obviously, with 23rd Street Brewery. Brewery. Check them out in Lawrence. And once again, RCSD Trivia, our title sponsors, Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, and River Rat Print and Skate. So Tyler has gone 56-7 and seven on questions. <laughs> That's pretty good, I think. Pretty darn good. Uh, and most of those misses were in, he was in one marathon matchup, I remember. I think it was in the grade eight, maybe. Not last year, the year before. And it went like 13 questions deep oh my or gosh. something. And they just like, they would get like a really hard one wrong and then they'd go back to the hard one and then they'd like get it right. And it would just be, it was just like a, it was mayhem. It was mayhem. Uh, but he has two phenomenal fours in both his trivia entrances. He uh, has the one championship belt from last season. It's always fun when you get a returner who has that much success that Tyler has coming back into this thing. And it is the true wild card for Chris because you're almost like, are you, is he being led to the slaughter or are we going to find out a story about the Chris Freeman is going to be like a mainstay of this event at the high seed? Yeah, it is interesting. And when you've got a program like Tyler with uh, the <laughs> amount of pedigree that they have, uh, it's, it's going to be tough, you know. But again, we, we, always, we always have this conversation. We have guys new to the tournament with Chris. You don't really know what you're going to get, right? Maybe he could, maybe he can put up a fight. And, you know, I think for Chris, my expectation is if he takes Tyler to the medium or hard round, then that's probably a pretty good run for him, right? Gives him a chance to get a taste of the tournament, get some experience, and then if he comes back next year, get a higher seed. So that's kind of my expectation, but I, I kind of feel like Tyler's going to win here. I mean, he's he's definitely uh, he's definitely one of the, one of the favorites, I would yeah. say, to make a run in this year's tournament. Yeah, when you're talking Blue Bloods in RCST trivia, I think there's three of them. Eric Hansey, who is 17-2 and two on, on uh, trivia matchups, has the championship. Isaac is 13-2, and two, has the championship. Tyler is 11-1. and one. He has the championship. So all three of those are Blue Bloods. I think right now you'd have to say Eric is the GOAT, but, I mean, if Tyler, uh, whoever becomes the first to, to two, at that point you kind of become the GOAT. So yes, we'll see who that no, is. definitely. If, if you get two... Right at this stage of the tournament, yeah. you are definitely the undisputed top dog. I think. Yep. All right. Uh, let's get into this one sixteen matchup. So Tyler Feist, our defending champion, Chris Freeman, a newcomer into this thing. Chris, let's start with you here. Uh, so take no offense to the seating there. It just we don't have a track record on you based on when you joined. You were one of the the last entries into the tournament. Um, but realistically, what are your expectations for this today? Like, do you think realistically you could have been a, a much higher seed in this tournament? My expectations are it's going to be like being dropped into the Hunger Games and Tyler has a big sword and I have a broken leg. So that's my expectation. Okay. Well, set the bar low. Uh, what is it? A aim for the – well, no, that's the opposite of the aim, aim for the moons for and the, fall in the clouds. That's the yeah, opposite. That's you, you land among the stars. Yeah, that, no, that's that's the opposite. That's just setting the bar <laughs> low and clearing it. Uh, so, Tyler, meanwhile, you come back. You were the defending champion. You went from your first year making the Phenomenal Four – Winning the third place game to the next year, getting over that hump, winning the title has has that faded at all yet? Do you, do you still feel pride? Do you still feel enjoyment from last year's title run? Absolutely. Uh, Sixty five inch TV still uh, up in the living room. Um, watch TV on that, and 
I, I have been a little disconnected from the sports mm. world uh, the past few weeks, so I, I'm coming a little vulnerable into this round, but uh, yeah, I'm still enjoying the vibes of the championship. All right. Well, the, the flags fly forever. So if, if this year isn't your year because you're a little underprepared due to life and other circumstances, then, you know, you still have that one to bank on uh, forever. Chris, when you did see you were a 16 seed, uh, were you like, ah, crap? Or, or what was it? What was your emotions there? No, I expected to be the last 16 since I was the last person to sign up. So it's all <laughs> yeah, good. Makes sense. Uh, all right. Well, Chris, you have the option here. You're the lower seed. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? debated about this a lot but i think i'll go second all right second it is tyler gonna go first so our defending champ has the first question here of this matchup this is our final 116 matchup chris we did have a 16 seed win earlier with uh derrick ho taking down ryan brown so it's not impossible we, we had another 16 win in our first year of doing this so that's twice in a four-year span all right first up to you tyler this is the 23rd Street Brewery region. Winner will take on Russell and Nathaniel, which is our uh, next matchup. Tyler, who did Kansas lose to in the 2023 NCAA tournament? Arkansas. Yep, not a fun one, but that is the correct answer. Arkansas took down Kansas. And your first question, Chris, what round of the NCAA tournament did Kansas lose to Arkansas in? Second round, round of 32. Yep, either answer worked there. You got them both just to cover your bases, and we knock out the really easy ones rather easily. All right, on to the easy round we go. Back to Tyler. This center, wearing the number five, led Kansas with seven blocks in the 2012 Final Four win against Ohio State. What's his name? Jeff Withy. Jeff Withy is correct. You guys are in the uh, 23rd Street Brewery region. He actually... Uh, had a uh, menu item. I, I don't remember. It's, it seems like it's a seasonal menu item. Sometimes it's on there. Sometimes it's not. Um, okay. On to you, Chris. This guard wearing the number 14 led Kansas with 32 points in their 2018 Elite Eight victory over Duke. What's his name? Malik Newman. Malik Newman. March Malik was the uh, nickname there. After he went off across the NCAA tournament. All right, we head to the medium round. Back to you, Tyler. What is the furthest that Yudoka Azubuki ever made it in his NCAA tournament career? To the final four. That's right. You had to think that one through a little bit just to go through all those years in your head, but mm -hmm. you got it. That was... Uh, what, that was his sophomore season, I want to say? It was 2018, the 2018 Final Four team. Okay, back to you, Chris, to push us to the hard round. Chris, what is the furthest that Wayne Selden ever made it in his NCAA tournament career? Elite Eight. That is right. Did good to use some of your time. Think it through again. Think through all the years. Make sure you're not overthinking or underthinking anything. Elite Eight, that was his final season as a junior after two second-round exits, and then they uh, lost to Villanova in that Elite Eight. All right, on to the hard round. So both our 116s today making it to the hard round. We pick up the intensity. We pick up the mood. We pick up the music here on RCST Trivia. Back to you, Tyler. 
Kansas had to drop out of the 2021 Big 12 tournament due to some COVID issues with the team. However, if they would have kept playing, what team would they have played in the Big 12 semifinals? Texas. Woo! Knew that one rather quickly. Right off the bat, yeah, I think they beat um, Oklahoma in the first round matchup. And then, yes, Texas would have been the answer, but they had to uh, drop out there because uh, some of the players had COVID. Okay, Chris, for you, if Kansas would have beaten Texas in those Big 12 tournament semifinals in 2021, who would they have played in the Big 12 finals that year? Oklahoma State. Woo! I think Chris set the bar too low. He is a dangerous 16 seed. That's for sure. This is a hell of a matchup between a 1-16. We're heading to the really hard round. This is where where, uh, guts are really checked. And we head back to you, Tyler. Tyler, uh, by the way, that last question you answered correctly, Tyler, was your 60th correct trivia answer all time. Um, Okay, into the really hard. Tyler, who was the first Jayhawk? to ever wear the number three jersey, doing so from 1940 through 1943. I'm going to go with Howard Engelman. Never a bad guess there. That's certainly a name that that pops up. The correct answer, though, is John Boucher. I think that's the proper way to pronounce it. All right, Chris, you have a chance to do what only one man has done in Tyler's history career, and that would be to defeat him, the defending champ. You have him on the ropes here, but it's not going to be easy. In fact, it's going to be really hard. Chris, for you, who was the first Jayhawk to ever wear the number four jersey, doing so from 1941 to 1943? Engelman. <laughs> not bad. Not bad if you just throw something out there, and who knows? Sometimes we have had that happen before where it just happens. The first person guesses the the answer, and the second person is just like, I'll just throw out the same thing, and it ends up being right. This time, though, the correct answer is Max Kissel. Max Kissel was the first man to wear number four. Those were honestly, like, among really hard. That could have yeah. been a whole nother tier of question. That could have been, like, super Those really are hard. the toughest questions we've had so far. Yeah, those are, for sure. All right, let's move back to the hard round. Back to you, Tyler. Reggie Williams scored 34 points for this one seed's victory over Danny Manning and Kansas in the 1987 Sweet 16. So essentially, who did Kansas lose to in the 87 Sweet 16? Let's go with Purdue. Correct answer is Georgetown. Georgetown, the Hoyas with uh, Reggie Williams. All right, on to you, Chris. Chance to pull the upset. Glenn Robinson and Quanzo Martin combined for 73 points of this one seed's 83 that day to help them beat four-seeded Kansas in the 1994 Sweet 16. Who was that? Wanting to know the team? Yes. Purdue. And there is exactly the scenario I literally just mentioned with Purdue. But the way that Chris answered it quickly, I think 
Chris, did you know that one anyway, or, or was that a guess? Oh, I knew Purdue. Yeah. I knew Georgetown as well. You did know the Georgetown one. Okay. <laughs> well, there's where the – so, Tyler, you are a younger contestant, and, and I mean, you won it last year, so you, you showed that you can still win it nonetheless. But um, if you would have got those reversed, would you have just guessed Purdue again, or would you have actually known the, the other one? Uh, I think I probably would have guessed uh, Purdue. Um, like I said, I – I guarantee I probably would have gotten my question right last year because I I just didn't study the brackets far enough back for this round and I don't know I just came in a little underprepared. Well, I don't I don't know I don't feel too bad. I mean we went no, to a really hard yeah. round yeah. and uh, Chris is obviously pretty good and uh, yeah and I've been disconnected unplugged from Twitter and the sports world so that that didn't help either but. Yeah, well, we, we know you've proved your medal in the past. You have nothing to prove here, obviously. Um, like I said, the championship flies forever. And clearly, Chris was uh, a little bit underseated, to say the <laughs> least, as a 16. I mean, we're going to come back next year, and he'll be on like a top four line probably already, just based on this one uh, performance so far. So nothing to feel bad about there. It does suck that it happened to be a first-round matchup. Some of this stuff, we don't have a track record on people, and this is uh, what happens. But Chris, I mean, that is that is a hell of a trivia debut. You, you take out our defending champion. You set a low bar. I think you were being a little coy. I think you were being a little bit humble. Um, I, I don't know. What does this feel like to, to get this first-round victory? Well, first, it's only a big victory because Tyler has done so well in the past. So congratulations, Tyler. And I'm sure your TV will hang for many years. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be advancing, but I didn't expect it. Well, well, uh, Chris, we look forward to seeing from you. Um, I don't think we've ever had a 16 make the sizzling 16th, so you'll be trying to do that for the first time. Tyler, uh, sucks that we don't get to see more of you this year because we love seeing you deep into uh, every tournament every year, but we hope we get you back next year because we know you'll be back and uh, with a vengeance off of this performance. Yes, sir. Unbelievable, man. So we, Wow. This is the ultimate year of upsets. We had three 15 seeds and yep. two 16 seeds advance. And there's part of me that wonders... Do I need to adjust how I seed things? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. know. It's just kind of luck though. of the draw. Like I, have yeah, no, I don't know what you can do. I have no uh, I mean, track I'm, record I'm, on, I these, guess, on like, some of these people. For new people, uh, I don't know if you you could create like a basically like a questionnaire for new people <laughs> to be like <laughs> they fill out. Yeah, like, get an idea of how many exactly. They get right. Like like you give them a, you give I them guess. five questions. Yeah, five you know really easy easy medium and tell them to fill it out without like you know. What if they just cheat? What if they look it up? Then we'll know. Because really? if they get all five right, it's like okay, you probably yeah. didn't actually. Yeah, if I ask like a like one of those really hard questions where it's like yeah. there's no way you would have known that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So I mean, you could try something like that. I a guess question that, that makes sense. To try to better because I do feel bad for some of the ones and two seeds where it's like like in that case, Chris clearly that would have normally to the level of of competitor that he was that would have normally not been somebody Tyler would have had to face off with until like maybe the I don't know sizzling sixteen or the yeah. grade eight or something like that. Um, so it just kind of sucks. But then again, this is I mean. We only had prior to this year one one seed ever lose in the first round, and we've only yeah. Had so like, is this year just like an aberration? Maybe this is just an aberration. I, maybe Could we be. just don't worry about it. You know, Could and in be. theory, the longer we do this tournament, the more people will have entered, the more people will have track records on, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's not as big of a deal. Also, you did hear from Tyler. He said like, you know, sometimes life just hits you. Sometimes you have stuff going on. Oh yeah. For sometimes sure. like this isn't. It, it's funny because like in sports, sometimes we think about players as just like oh. 
he's the best player in the world, but we don't think about like, well, but this year he's been injured or he's not in his best form as you yeah. as normal, right? And you almost think that like, oh, well, it's it's trivia. Like you just know <laughs> it or you don't. Like they're always going to be the same. That's not the case. Yeah. Like you heard Tyler. There is a lot of studying that does kind of go into this uh, that Tyler has done in the past that we've seen other people do in the past, whether it's the media guide or refreshing yourself on past NCAA tournament runs or seedings or whatever that is that you know, life just comes up and he had yeah. won a championship last year. So I bet you there wasn't the same urgency for him. Like, again, he, well, he said he had already has the 65 inch TV. Yeah. You know? And, you know, like the, the thing about this tournament that makes it unique is it's it's truly a one off. Right. It there's, really no, is. there's no regular season for people to gain that experience to know what they're getting into. It's it's you hit the ground running. Right. Which can be great for some people like Chris here. Or it can be tough for, for guys that, you know, uh, maybe that does that does happen to them. So that that does make it more difficult, right? You don't you don't have a you don't have any sort of preparation. You know, you don't really know what you don't really know until you get into the arena, until you get in there with your opponent and it's and it's a free for all at that point. So yeah. uh, that definitely makes it tough. That definitely makes it tough. And I think that that should further make people realize that the people that are getting upsets and the people that are winning, it makes it that much more impressive, right? You don't know yeah. what you're going into and you know, to be successful it's it's very impressive, but yeah. certainly in Tyler's case, right? Like, he has the pedigree, he has the championship record. He's he'll be fine, right? He'll he'll be back. Yeah. Well, I mean, that this is the frustration and the reward of a, a tournament like this. Like our football one, it's the regular season of what you're kind of talking about first. And yeah. You have more leeway and time and everything. With this one, the frustration of it is that you lose. Like, a, you just get a crappy draw. You get a question that you just didn't know. Maybe you just didn't have time to study that day based on when your time was going. It just doesn't work out your way, and, and then you're out in the first round. But the flip side to that is there is parity, and I think the cool part of that is this isn't something where it's just like, okay, if I was power ranking, you know, our, our best trivia contestants all time, and Tyler would clearly be in the top five there, in theory, you would think, oh, he's just going to beat everybody who's lower than him. But it does create that parity that sometimes yeah. this happens, right? I mean, well, and, you know, there's always new blood, right? There's always exactly. new guys. There's always new people. And so I, I love the fact that it basically gives everyone hope. Mm -hmm. it, it gives everyone hope that, like, maybe exactly. this like, is the year the bracket breaks for me. Exactly. Maybe like, this is the year the question is. Somebody is listening right now and they're thinking, right. man, you know, I don't know. If I would have entered, I just would have been like a 15 or a 16 yeah. and probably would have lost in the first round. Well, we got two 16s and three 15s, Boom. right? So if you are somebody that's listening and you thought you weren't, you didn't have a yes. chance to do well, come yeah. come back next year. Exactly, that's a great way of looking at it. I I just think that um, it's it sucks because I do like having Tyler around and, and having him go far in the tournament. But you know, we have yeah. a we have a new person we met. Oh, it's tough. Yeah, we, we like know? we like seeing the guys that are are yeah, the mainstays the that, are, lines. that are the. But now like the we, we're lines, gonna have a new storyline. Exactly, Chris Freeman, new new guys, and yeah. that's cool. And I think Chris has real staying power. I I think. Oh I mean, yeah, I was very impressed. If you beat the defending champ, just by notion of that, yeah, you I was can very, win it all. Yes, you I was very impressed. And also, you know, he was pretty quick on some of those. He was. Even some of the tougher ones. When he said he even knew both of the hards, even the one that um, yeah. Tyler got wrong. So, I mean, really impressive. And, and again, the only one he missed, the really hard, those, like I said, were like super I, yeah. really hard, right? <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. So, that was really impressive from uh, Chris. All right, well, there is just two one seeds and just one two seed left. That is incredible wow. to me. So more of the lower seeds won in the one-two matchups than the higher's, or the better seeds, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. That's that's incredible to me. And now, I mean, Derek, would you say now that that kind of the tournament itself is sort of wide open now, or I the mean, whole tournament? You think yeah, I still mean, some favorites. Eric Hansey's still sitting up there, right? Isaac yeah. Henderson's still sitting down there. Yeah. Um, Brian yeah, Brian I mean, from the Twenty Third Street Brewery is going to be tough, right? We, Justin, obviously, him. we had earlier today. Like he's a powerhouse, but I yeah. mean. Like, 
I, but I it guess feels that's what like, today shows. It feels like there's a lot more people that have a chance to win. Yes. The difference between a first-round exit and winning the entire thing is is a lot slimmer than you think. Yes. A lot slimmer than you think. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. RCST Trivia is brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, River at Print Skate, Mini Jerseys, Jayhawk Trophy, Homefield Apparel, Sporting KC2, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. We have one more matchup today. It's an 8-9 between Russell and Nathaniel. Bracket is broken up a, a little bit for them, although after hearing the way Chris just uh, did, I don't think they're going to view it that way. So we'll see who Chris is taking on in the second round in our next matchup with RCST Trivia. We'll be back after this timeout. Welcome back into RCST Trivia on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, one of our title sponsors, River at Print and Skate, has screen printing, skate shop, embroidery, and promotional products. Also available with art and logo creation. They're KU licensed. They have skateboards, longboards, paddleboards, safety gear. They have a large selection of shoes and apparel from well-known skate brands. They can help you out with custom apparel like our trivia shirts, trivia hats. Follow them on Instagram at river underscore rat underscore print for the print shop and river rat or river rat skate shop on Instagram for the skate side. You can call them at 785-371-1660. So we've already had two really fun matchups today. Both won 16s that went to the yep. hard round, um, including the upset in our last matchup. Now we get an 8-9. This is supposed to be a good matchup, right? Yes, yes. And, you know, today's already been a great day, right? So yeah. regardless of what happens with this matchup here, I think today's already been a very successful day of trivia. We've had two really, really good matchups with uh, some one seeds and some new guys as well, With obviously with the 16 beating a one. And for these guys in a nine matchup, all of a sudden, they have a chance to possibly, with this win, have a quote-unquote easier trip to the Sizzling 16. I would not be viewing it that way because <laughs> of how good Chris sounded, but you're right. No, I know. You're right. I it, know. It is nice to, I don't know. It, it, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough, yeah. but like, yeah, I mean, your next matchup is going to be against the 16, so right. you feel like you might have a better chance maybe to advance yeah. uh, to the Sizzling 16. So I don't know if that puts, does that put more importance on this matchup to you, or mm. what do you think? I mean, I guess uh, we could have a matchup of uh, two newcomers with Nathaniel and Chris if they win. Yep. Otherwise, with Russell, it does present a real opportunity for him to because he's looking for his first trivia win. He's done really yep. good on questions; just hasn't gotten over the hump. Yeah, a guy who has performed open bracket, uh, who has performed well, mm-hmm. but hasn't quite been rewarded with that win yet, and now a chance to maybe. Maybe this is the year where he breaks through and even makes his his on sixteen. Yeah, so let's find out. Let's get into the matchup. So our last matchup of the day is an 8-9 between Russell Heitman and Nathaniel Abeda. And uh, this is in the 23rd Street Brewery region, which is our top left region. Bracket is broken open a little bit with the one seed getting upset just a matchup earlier. So, Russell, you're an eight seed. This is your third appearance in trivia. You've yet to score that first round win. You've done well on questions, though. You've gone six and two on questions, which normally would be good enough to have an advancement or two at this point in time. Just ran into some some crummy matchups, unfortunately, for you. Have you done anything different or, or what's kind of your emotions headed into your third edition of trivia? Well, if I've done anything different, it's that I haven't really prepared as much as I usually do <laughs> because I've been a little busier. So maybe coming in with the whole wing it mentality will bode well for me this time. There you go. There you go. Well, Nathaniel, meanwhile, you're making your trivia debut. So uh, I, I see the K flag in the back. Uh, what is what is your level of, of KU fandom? Where did that start? Oh, I mean, one of the first KU basketball teams I remember is probably the, the 03 team that played in the title game. So been a fan for as long as I can remember. Yeah, that's that's been a common answer for a lot of people. That 03 team kind of kicking things off for them. Uh, Nathaniel, did, when you saw your seed, when when you saw you were a nine seed, did you think, oh, that's about right? Did you did you feel like you were slighted a bit? That you should have been higher? What'd you think? 
Hopefully that's not overseeded. <laughs> okay. <laughs> set the, a lot of the people who have set low bars have done very, very well. So I guess that might be a good strategy here. Uh, and Russell, for you, uh, as far as getting an eight seed, were, were you surprised? Uh, did, did you like it? Did you? I don't know. What, what were your thoughts? Well, I like it a lot better now that I know the one seed got beat. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's definitely fair considering I haven't won yet. So okay. I'm just happy to be here. We'll take what we can get. So. Love it. All right, well, Nathaniel, you are slightly the lower seed here, so you have the option. Do you want to go first, or do you want to go second? I think I'll go second. All right, second it is. That means, Russell, you are up first, and we'll start in the really easy column of things. Russell, to you. In KU's 2023 second-round NCAA tournament loss to Arkansas, this Jayhawk All-American four-man who wore number 10 led Kansas with 20 points scored. What's his name? That's uh, a tough one, but I think Jalen Wilson. That is Jalen Wilson. That's part of what gets certain questions into really easy or easy. It's just adding more context. Jersey number, All-American, four-man, all that stuff. All right, Nathaniel, this one for you. In KU's second round NCAA tournament loss to Arkansas in 2023, this Jayhawk freshman wing, known for his shooting, wore the number four jersey and led Kansas with seven rebounds. What's his name? That'd be Grady Dick. That would be Grady Dick. Yeah, low-key led him in rebounds in that game. That would have been a good one if I left out any context, maybe put in, like, medium or something. All right. <laughs> Both of you guys knocked those out. We move up to the easy round. Back to you, Russell. Name a team that Kansas defeated in the 2022 NCAA tournament when they went on to win the national championship. Creighton. Creighton. That was their second-round opponent. Yeah, that was one of six answers you could have gone with there. That was probably the uh, tightest outside of the NCAA tournament, or the uh, championship, I should say. All right, Nathaniel, this one for you. Name a team that Kansas defeated in the 2008 NCAA tournament when they went on to win the title as well. I'll go with the low-hanging fruit, Memphis. That's right. Most memorable because it was the title game. And again, you had six to choose from in that one as well. All right, easy ones. Knocked out of the park. We move up to the medium round and go back to you, Russell. In the 2002 Elite Eight, Kansas took down Oregon, fueled by 25 points and 15 rebounds from this future Seattle Supersonic NBA player. What's his name? Nick Collison. Nick Collison. Yeah, Oklahoma City Thunder as well after they uh, eventually moved. 25 and 15 in the Elite Eight. That'll uh, be a good day's work. All right, on to you, Nathaniel, to move us to the hard round and stay alive. In a 2009 regular season road game, Kansas won 87-78 to at Oklahoma thanks to 15 points and 20 rebounds along with four blocks from this future Oklahoma City Thunder, an NBA player. What's his name? Cole Aldridge. Cole Aldridge is correct. Those are some nice double-doubles to have there and both eventually future OKC Thunder. Okay, now things get fun. We're heading to the hard round for all three matchups today. Love that. Love that when that happens. And we will go back to you, Russell. Into the heart. Russell, this freshman guard led Kansas in points per game and to an NCAA tournament berth in 1978. What's his name? Oh, Lord. Um... <laughs> Bud Stallworth. 
Not a bad guess. That was a question we had earlier today in regards to Bud Star with the correct answer, though, is Darnell Valentine. Darnell Valentine. All right, Nathaniel, you got a chance to move on to the second round right here. In the 1986-1987 season, Danny Manning led KU in scoring. Second on the team was this senior guard who also led the team in assists per game. What's his name? I'm going to guess Mark Randall. Correct answer is Cedric Hunter. Cedric Hunter, the correct answer there. All right, we're going to move back to the medium round. See if we can get you guys back on track here. Ooh, this is uh, high pressured, high pressured. All right, Russell, back to you. In 2011 to 2012, so that season, 11-12, Kansas had three players average double-digit points. Thomas Robinson, Tyshawn Taylor, and what other starter? Elijah Johnson. That is Elijah Johnson. Some people might overthink that, maybe go with, I don't know, somebody like Jeff Withy or something like that. No, that is the uh, correct answer there, Elijah Johnson. All right, back to you, Nathaniel. Who led that 2011 to 2012 Kansas team in points per game in only Big 12 regular season games? By Sean Taylor. That is correct. The immediate guess would be T Rob, but in Big 12 only games, Taylor was at 18.6, T Rob was at 18.2. And we're going to move back up to the hard column. Woo, this is a fun little marathon matchup. Finish out the day here, just as an 8-9 should be. All right, Russell, back to you. What Pac-12 school did Kansas lose to three separate times in the NCAA tournament in the decade of the 1970s? Uh, I'm going to guess Oregon. Not a bad guess. They've had a decent amount of Oregon matchups in the tournament. The correct answer, though, is UCLA. UCLA, the correct answer there. All right. Another chance for you to win, Nathaniel. Kill shot number two. What ACC school beat Kansas twice in the 1985 to 1986 season? Duke. And Duke is the correct answer. They beat them in the regular season, then they beat them in the final four. And a couple of, uh, well, depends if you count UCLA a blue blood or not for the answers there. Uh, but just like that, Nathaniel, trivia debut. You're moving on to the second round. Thoughts on your performance today? Well, I'm happy to get the first one past me. It's not as nerve-wracking as it sounds, but uh, <laughs> I'm excited to keep going. If uh, the questions would have been reversed there and, and you would have got the one about the, the 1970s um, with a team that beat them three times in the decade from the Pac-12, would you have guessed UCLA or would you have gotten that one wrong? Yeah, I think I would have got UCLA on that one. I think one of them was in like a third place game or something. Russell, meanwhile, if you had the questions reversed, if you would have got the 1985-86, would you have hit Duke? Yep. Ugh, that's tough. I always hate it when that happens. Uh, it's part of the randomness of this tournament. And, you know, sometimes it's, not the best way to decide the winner, but, you know, it's part of the parody, just like the NCAA tournament. But, I, I mean, clearly, again, I, I just feel bad for you because this is this is three straight performances that you've played well in the first round, but you haven't gotten through. 
Uh, but we hope we get you back next year because I, I was saying this after the last matchup. Tyler goes from winning the title to losing in the first round. I don't think the difference between first round exit and making a phenomenal four winning the title is all that much. So, uh, Russell, uh, will you be back next year? <laughs> yeah, I just like I keep got to keep quick torturing myself. So yeah, we'll you got to keep <laughs> keep pounding at the rock. Eventually, you'll crack through. Nathaniel, meanwhile, you're heading on to to round two. So, uh, any celebrations in store for tonight? Might just go have a cold drink. There we go. There we go. Well, guys, I appreciate the time, and uh, Nathaniel, see you in uh, about a week. All right, thanks. Man, another great matchup. Today was probably yes. been the, I mean, it wasn't the volume of, uh, last no. week we had a day with five matchups, we had yep. another day with six, right? It yep. wasn't the volume of that, only three matchups, but today was was quality over quantity. Yes, today today felt like. Today might have uh, been the best day. In yes, terms of just I agree with that. Consistent today felt like in the real NCAA tournament, the round of thirty-two matchups where yeah. you start, you know, that that Thursday round of thirty-two, the first three games are all just awesome. That's kind of what today was, and and honestly, you know, given the quality of the matchups, these matchups definitely felt like they were uh, much more than just first round matchups, right? I mean, these these matchups could have easily been second weekend type matchups uh, in the tournament. So uh, very impressed performances from all of our contestants today, all around, and. Sad that we had to see three of them go, honestly, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, you feel bad uh, when you get like a, a really tough matchup that goes deep into the. I mean, I, I always feel bad for everybody that loses. I really do uh, because it is uh, kind of like it, it just sucks. But like especially <laughs> the ones where they do go, especially in the first round too, where it's like you're not going home with any prizes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and you lose in the really hard round and it's like, well, that sucks. Like and then you have other people that you listen to and they lose in like the easy round or the medium <laughs> and you're like, well. That was just not my year, not my draw. And, not you know, my year. It, we can't control that. We can't control knowing ahead of time who's going to you know, do yeah. well and who's not. Otherwise, yeah. it'd be even easier to seed. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that'll that be a fun little matchup. Pretty much our entire 23rd Street Brewery region is set now, except for the 314 matchup. Andrew Wymore versus, versus Kristen Martin. Chris Martin. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's the last one. So you have Eli versus Kyle in the bottom half. That's the 715. And then Blake Farrell is going to face the winner of Andrew and Chris, uh, Kristen, and then in the top half, you have Brian versus Kyle. So the four or five—that's the only matchup where the higher seeds won. I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. uh, unless Andrew beats Kristen, then we'll have that one too. And then now the sixteen versus the nine up top. So uh, I'm—I think the four or five matchup with Brian and and Kyle is going to be very interesting. I know both you and I feel pretty confident about Brian and his capabilities, uh, but maybe don't sleep on Kyle a little bit too. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. So uh, I things do, progressing I, along. I do feel bad for for Russell, man. I mean, he's he's clearly shown his uh, his medal here in this in this competition with his KU knowledge, and just hasn't quite been rewarded with that victory yet. But I'm glad we heard him say that he's going to be coming back again next year because this is a guy that really deserves to get, really deserves to make a run. I mean, he's he's shown that he has that knowledge, that base level of knowledge to make a run. It just hasn't happened yet. So uh, I think maybe next year he might be in line for a couple wins. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, just just keep cracking at it. Eventually, you'll get through. Uh, again, what I said about Tyler there. Like, you have first-round exit one year. The yep. year before, you won the title. The year before, you're in the Phenomenal Four. Uh, you can do it. Just keep cracking away at it. Like, I don't know. Just just keep powering through. Eventually, you'll come through. All right, he's uh, Nick this Springer. turned into a motivational I know, it really has. Motivational should, speaking show. We should get, what is that guy's name? Eric Thomas? You know uh, what I'm talking about. Funny. He does like motivational speeches all around the country. Oh, really? I think that's the name. I don't know. Uh, we should get him on the show and just like pump up all the trivia contestants. So uh, tomorrow we're gonna have four trivia matchups. Matt Reuter, another eight nine matchup. Quentin Mirabel, 
uh, or I should say Matt Ruda versus Jess Coffey. Um, then we're going to have Quentin Mirabel versus uh, Mitch Loomis, which is a 413. Chris Yurchek versus Christopher Bolke, which is a 512. And then a 710 between Steve Klein and Cole Calloway. We'll have three more matchups on Wednesday, two more on Thursday, and two more on Friday. And then we'll be done with the first round. And then we'll start the second round on Monday, right? Yep. Correct. Right, there we go. All right. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST Trivia on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Two hours down, one to go. We got some uh, NFL draft recap, lie detector test, plenty more coming at you on the other side. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. I was just talking off air with uh, Nick. We can really get into the weeds here if we want to add some <laughs> trivia questions. I'm reading through like Wilt Chamberlain. Um, some of his bio. I guess he was the uh, president of his pledge class, Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity. Were you in a fraternity, Eric? I was not. You were not either, right? I, I was not. Okay. No. I don't think I'm cut out for Greek life. Well, Will Chamberlain, probably they were just like, do whatever you want. You don't have to like, we're not going <laughs> to. Imagine exactly. being the like, guy who's like, like the, hey, there... we'll mop the floor. <laughs> you know? like. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. So they just made him president. So yeah, that way exactly. he's like, he's fine. He doesn't have to exactly. do anything. Exactly. Well, that's um, genius. I mean, just unbelievable. He ran a 100-yard dash in 10.9 seconds. He shot put it at 56 feet. Triple jump more than 50 feet. He won the hey, there was high a, jump uh, in the Big 8 Conference Track and Field Championships three straight years. Speaking of dashing, there was the uh, at the NFL draft over the weekend, I, mm-hmm. I checked it out. They had a 40-yard dash thing, and I did not do it. Because <laughs> okay. I, I thought I was going to like hurt myself if eh, I did. It's probably I mean, a good dude, call. The last time I tried to sprint, I couldn't even tell you. Okay, but hey, I did do the high jump. What do you think my high jump was? Oh, so wait, uh, high jump is that is, is it a standing one, high jump? Yeah, the one where you put up? your arm up, okay. they do a little thing, and then you slap you the, the little you, you, sticks or yeah, whatever. You that you, sticks. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, so standing, oh, twenty five inches. What? What is that low, dude? I got thirty two. Good job. That seems really good. I thought you were gonna. Wow. What? Well, I'm a little insulted now. Twenty five. That's like I feel that's like nothing. that's a good number. No, thirty two is good. I, I thought 25 was good for, like, a normal, everyday person. Oh, well, I got 32. Are you looking Again, up? that's not the one that you run, no, right? You're just yes, standing that, and jump. Standing, yes. I'm you're pretty standing, sure that's pretty Put your good. arm in the air. I'm trying to find the draft combine from last year to give you, like, your player. You put card. your arm in the air, and then you you jump and you slap the little sticks. Right. The pole. So it's, it's standing high jump. It's not. There's no running. Is it standing vertical leap? I think so. Yeah, yeah be, it, standing vertical leap. That's yeah. what makes no, sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, dude, you should go play in the NBA. Dude, no, thirty-two. It, dude, I'm five. That's good. I'm five nine with a thirty-two inch. Okay, that this still is, only gets me to like. Let's see. I don't know what we got in here. I can't do math. Um, Drew Timmy, his standing vertical, and right now I'm having questions about the legitimacy of of what you got. You don't you but, you don't think I got it? <laughs> Drew Timmy did twenty five and a half inches. Really. Um, let's see. Who else? Who else? Well, but he's but he's already six ten. Johnny Juzang, twenty seven and a half. Can you do they have like pictures so I can see if it's the same thing that I did? Uh let me let me see if I can find it. Let me go over a couple others though on here though. Um Ochag Baji. What what did you say you jumped? Thirty two. Ochag Baji jumped thirty two. Really? Wow. So you are Ochag Baji. You should play. Who said NBA. white men Christian can't Brown jump? was 33 and a half. Eric, who said white men can't jump? The best number from last year at the standing vertical leap was 35 and a half. And I got 32? One, two, three, four, five. You would have tied sixth oh with gosh. Ochag Baji. Wow. The standing vertical jump. But again, the difference is I'm 5'9", and they're 6'8", six, 6'7". Six, 
Yeah, so this is the standing vertical jump at the combine. I'm showing you a picture. Yeah, that's what You're I did. Up. That's you what did I did. Thirty two at the at the NFL. I, I am questioning One. the legitimacy that they have, like that they overdo it with the numbers to make you feel better. What? I I am having trouble believing. So here's that what you, happened, dude. I walked Quavion up. Smith, who is like. One of the most athletic guards in the country, who's like 6'1", 6'2". He did 30 and a half. All right, here's what happened. Okay. I walked up. They had uh, a guy holding the little pole with the flags on it, with the markers. Okay. And then you I, you stand and put your arms straight up, and then that's how they measure it. So they, they go to the top of your fingertips to adjust it. And then he just says, jump and hit as high as you can on the little flapper things. <laughs> and that's your number. And I got 32. Mm, seems sketchy to me. Well, it's a good thing KU didn't get Harrison Ingram because he jumped two and a half inches shorter than Nick did. So <laughs> I guess that's positive there. I, I'm just telling you what I got. Okay. All right. I'm just saying, Bill Except Self, he hasn't, not used his, he hasn't used his eligibility. Give him a call. He does not want to have available. me on his team. Uh, some news for the I bet Chiefs. you, okay, just one final thought on yeah. this, sorry. I bet you I benefited from the fact that I have short arms. Ah, uh, Interesting. My arms are really short. But still, that's impressive. I don't know. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, in theory, either way, you're jumping the same distance, whether your arms are that high or not. No, because they measure it off the length it's of your It's either impressive arm. or it's not right. <laughs> I, it's one of those two. It's one of those two. I'll, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I will give you the benefit okay, of the doubt. Okay, thank you. Listen, I'm not the most athletic guy in the world. Just give me this one thing. <laughs> I will give it to you. We're fine. Everything's fine. Okay, uh, Ian Rappaport reported earlier today the Chiefs are expected to re-sign Jarek McKinnon, who's re-emerged, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about that. Anyway, um, <laughs> Chiefs didn't draft anyone Jarek at McKinnon the running back. back position. He is back. I mean, this makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. A lot of sense. You get the one-two punch back with Pacheco and, and McKinnon. McKinnon's a great pass blocker. He's a great pass receiver. He was, uh, oh, by the way, he was Offensive Player of the Month in what? November or October, one of those months where he I think just, it was, I thought it was December. Oh, Maybe December. it was November. Yeah, one a one month he had it where he scored he a, billion like a billion touchdowns. touchdowns. Yep, yeah. yep. So, kind of a no brainer, I think, for the Chiefs, given the fact that, as you said, they didn't sign anybody, they or they didn't draft anybody. I mean, so makes sense. It does add questions about because the whole idea it feels like everybody's just been alluding to oh they'll either trade or cut Clyde Edwards-Helaire. I mean, I guess he but could be like, their third string. Who who would be their third string if they don't have him? You know, they don't have anyone right now. They didn't draft anyone. Maybe they got some undrafted free. They, what happened? Is Ronald Jones gone? Is yeah, Ronald Jones deal? is gone. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, listen, Melvin Gordon I back? wouldn't be mad about Clyde Edwards no. just hanging out no, 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 no. on the death chart. Doesn't hurt. Yeah, I don't care. Well, the weekend wrapped up the NFL draft. From a KU perspective, we were waiting to see if Earl Bostic or Lonnie Phelps would end up getting plucked away. And unfortunately, neither one got drafted. Yeah. I wish the rule was intact. They, they did have this back in the day in the NBA, but it was like for a very short period of time, they got rid of it. Okay. The idea that if you didn't get drafted, you could just go back to school. I yeah, think they should do that. They should. They should have that. I, I do wonder. Because Lonnie should be allowed to come back. Yeah. Now, you, you never know. Maybe they they still Listen, would both I be like, no, they should make it. They should make a new yeah. rule, the Lonnie Phelps rule. <laughs> Only Lonnie Phelps can come back. No one else. Okay. Signed, sealed, delivered Seems by fair. me. Seems fair. Um, Who do I got to get on the phone for that? Is that a Brett Yormark mm, thing? Or do I need to go somewhere else? No, I think you got to go up the NCAA go to, ladder. Charlie, uh, was it Charlie Baker? What's oh, the new president? The president? Name? I don't know. Clown Baker? It's so in- ingrained with Mark Emmert <clears throat> being the guy. Um, yeah, maybe maybe talk to Mark. Has he officially finished up his his stay? Can you maybe get That's him true. to maybe do like one thing do, on the way out? Yeah, like a, like a lame duck move. Yeah, exactly. Yep. 
So Lonnie Phelps is going to the Browns as an undrafted free agent. Earl Bostic is going to the Cowboys. Seems like the Cowboys have had kind of a little KU mini. I, I don't want to call yeah. it pipeline because it's Cowboys? not like the Eagles with the Georgia players, but <laughs> they had a Zerk Kamara for a bit. Dorrance Armstrong was the draft pick for him. Yep. I want to say, did Daniel Wise know that was did with he play the, for uh, them at all? Washington. I don't think so. Uh, now Earl Bostic goes there. Yeah. The Cowboys and the Bengals. Those are the two yeah. teams that that most notably uh, have a list of KU players that they. They deal with. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if uh, either of those guys end up making the roster. That'll be cool for them to, to track and everything. The Chiefs finished out their draft, and, and we only got to talk to you about their first-round pick. It, it was certainly very interesting. Their top three-round picks, they literally, all of their three biggest needs coming in. Defensive yes. end, yes. Uh, receiver, offensive tackle, filled all of them with their first three picks. Yes, the, the Kansas City Chiefs draft was, in a word, fine. Yes. Everything was fine. It was a fine draft. <laughs> and this has been a theme of this offseason. Where Brett Veach just is fine. He just does fine stuff. He doesn't do anything crazy. He doesn't do anything that you can plausibly say is like really stupid. It's just fine. He just everything's fine. He just does fine stuff. This was another example of Brett Veach just doing fine, right? I know you like to gripe about positional value. The Chiefs got three guys with the three biggest needs. Now it's up to them to have those guys be good. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, right? Like they got Anadika Uzama. Could they have gotten him at thirty five or forty or you know, m- middle forties? Yeah, probably. But hey, they got him. Who cares? Rasheed Rice. Could they probably have gotten him a little later? Maybe. I don't know. Trade up for him. They got him. Who cares? And they got to tackle the guy that played with uh, that played with uh, Trey Smith yeah. at Tennessee. So like, I don't I don't know how you can look at the Chiefs like right here today, May first. I don't know how you can look at the Chiefs draft and be mad. No, like, they I got agree. they got three guys at three positions of need. Like you know, maybe if they all end up being busts and they all suck in like. Two or three years, and then you can be like, "Oh, Brett Veach is an idiot." But like, whatever, it's fine. They they were fine. I think that's Mahomes the best way wanted to Mahomes wanted Rice allegedly. It was reported. Yeah, that makes so you feel a lot better there. Yeah, exactly. I I think that when you go up and down, and then you look at their their day three picks, those aren't going to be guys that you're going to harp on too much. But um, I think it's interesting. You take two day two or day three corners, Chamari Connor and Nick Jones. Those are always interesting to me because the Chiefs have had so much success with day three corners in the NFL draft. I mean, yes. think back just the last year with Jalen Watson and uh, Well, Joshua look at Williams. where Brett Beach has had his uh, yeah, most success. Legarius Sneed. Look at where Brett Beach has had his yeah. most success. Traverius Ward. It's normally been in the in the back half of the draft. Yeah. And so Keandre Coburn comes in. He can be just a, a run-plugging defensive tackle when you would assume Derek Naughty, who you re-signed a one-year deal. He'll probably be gone after next year. Like, maybe he develops into that. You get another Ed Rusher with B.J. Thompson. I think that's what it is. Like, this is not going to be... Last year, they were consistently viewed as one of the best drafts like, after the draft. Literally the day after. It was and like, then wow, it the ended up being They probably had the best draft in terms yes. of thinking about how many players they had contributing to a championship-winning team. Yes. This isn't a bad draft either. Like, this no. isn't one that everybody's saying, oh, right. they messed it's, up. It's fine. It's just fine. It's just somewhere <laughs> in the middle. Which, you know, it's not exciting. It's not sexy. But I guess it is what it is. My only small gripe, and this is, again, not me saying it's bad, is just I think uh, I didn't love... The, the value conversation, again, like in the first round, could you have gotten Anudike Uzama in the early second and traded down, but did Clark Hunt allow that? I don't know. In the second round, it's not just that you used the second-round pick on Rashi, Rashi Rice, who was supposed to be like a third-round pick. Uh, a lot of places had him listed between like the 80s yeah, I mean, to 100 I, range. I, I have to assume that 
the Chiefs got wind of some other team that was going to take him, and that spooked them. Sure, like, that's my um, that's that's what I have to assume. Well, know. and and so it's not just that you waited for him in the second round, but you traded up for him. Same with round three. Like Wanya Morris, I think on ESPN he was ranked like one fifty or something. Like uh, some of the different places, maybe you could have got him where you were sitting in the third round or or whatever. But not only did you take him in the third round, you traded up for him. Just the idea that it wasn't a value heavy draft for the Chiefs, but maybe that's what last year allows you to do. By, by having that many players on your roster on rookie contracts, I guess there's just less spots to be had, right? So if there's less yeah, spots know. to be had, then maybe you just view it as, well, we don't need 10 picks. We only need eight. So why don't I just make sure we get the player we want, even if it's a reach? Yeah, exactly. You know? Like This comes down to, sure, okay, maybe the Chiefs reach on a couple of their picks, but if they pan out, who cares? Yeah. Right? Like. The, the positional value conversation is, is fine and it's like it's okay to, to bring it up. But like to me at the end of the day, if you're a team and you get the guy you want, it that doesn't matter. If you get the guy you want and he pans out, that that's that's all that matters. Yeah. Well, I mean, by far, uh gotta be the best receiver with the last name Rice ever, right? <laughs> oh, easy. At this point, yes, you think? definitely. Uh, yeah, the that... only the only receiver named Rice that I can think of. Yeah, for that's sure. Done anything relevant <laughs> in any way. Was there any anything that really stood out to you about the draft? I mean, you went on Friday night. Was there anything that, that that stood out well, okay. about the draft? I will say, so I was there on Friday night, which was rounds two and three. So first of all, uh, I I think it was the right way to approach it. And listen, I, obviously, I've never been to any other draft before, so I don't know if it's always like this. But like a significant majority of the time that I was there, it, I like wasn't even paying attention to the draft itself. Mm-hmm. Like they they had a bunch of other stuff going on. They had this experience where you walk through and they had every Super Bowl ring from all 54 Super Bowls that you could look at. They had like these different like uh, things where you could go through and look in like a, it, they had like basically the it was like a, the player's locker. Like you could look inside a player's locker and like what it looks like. They had a bunch of different other like fan experience stuff. There was all kinds of stuff. There was you could take pictures with Lombardi trophies. You could walk around the memorial, all kinds of stuff. So like I would say like 80 percent of the time that I was there, I like the draft was just in the background. Like, I wasn't even, like, except when the Chiefs were drafting or, or anything like that. So, uh, but it was a really fun experience. So, uh, but in terms of, like, surprises, the Jameer Gibbs pick for the Lions in round one, that was a surprise. Niners taking a kicker in the third round. Niners kicker third round was a real head scratcher. And then the other one that really stood out to me was Stetson Bennett getting drafted mm. in the fourth round. Who watched Stetson Bennett and thought he was a fourth round pick? I mean, I could have let the I could have let, let I could have led Georgia to a, to a two national titles. What do, I mean? What what do we? I basically did. He's he's like he looks like me. He's my size. <laughs> but did he, he probably, have a thirty-two inch vertical? He job? probably didn't have a thirty-two inch vertical. So even more reason why would you take him in the fourth round? I mean, a, a blind uh, guy could have taken Georgia to a national championship. No offense. Mm, I'd actually like to see that. That'd be fun. All right. I just I. I that was that, honestly that was the one that got the most rise out of me. I was like, dude, what, what, what? I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> you think Stetson Bennett's the reason Georgia won a title? What? 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 What are we doing? Noted Stetson Bennett hater. Bennett hater. Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Lie <laughs> detector test next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and it is time to get to a lie detector test. Normally, we do this on Thursdays or Fridays, but uh, we were supposed to do it last week. 
Yeah. It was we, such a busy week. We, we got caught up. We had, we had six trivias last Friday, so we ended up moving it. Figured we'd just use it today because we thought it was good. Uh, so let's get into it in our lie detector test. First up is Jalen Hurts. He just signed a big contract extension, five years, over $250 million with the Eagles. And he said, quote, money is nice. Championships are better. Hey, Jalen, how many championships do you have? Oh, zero? Oh, okay, thanks. What? You don't have any championships, so you can't claim they're better. You don't have any. So do you, well, what if he's basically saying like he would trade all his money for championships? That's fine. He doesn't have any championships. Mm. So he's traded, he's traded his money for nothing. I think this is one of those where if you break down the statement as championships are better. Money is nice. True. Obviously, that's a true statement. Yes. Championships are better. It's a question. Could be relative. So I think like this is an interesting conversation because I think if you take it very literally and you ask like an NFL player, would you trade literally every single dollar you made to win a championship? Like if there's a player who didn't win a title. They how, many of them would say, yeah, how many of them would say yes? Probably not many. I mean, probably the crazies would say yes. Like every single dollar you've now, ever made. There's a certain line. Like maybe if they were like, you know. What if you asked Michael Jordan that? I don't know. What if Michael Jordan never won a championship and you said, hey, Michael. Michael Jordan is a little crazy about it. That it would not surprise me if he was like, yes, I would give up all my money if I could double my championships or something, you know. Um, yeah. And then if he gave up all his money, he wouldn't have had to deal with uh, owning the Hornets, which has objectively been a disaster. Nonetheless. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I don't think this is a lie from him. I, I guess it is literally if you're just like... But, okay, my point is it doesn't matter if it's a lie or not. He doesn't have any championships. So how can he claim that they're better I, than money? Well, he doesn't he get have to count them. Alabama national championships. No. Probably won high school state championships. Okay, well, probably I'm not, won some I don't care about any championships. That. That's fine. Great. But he has experience winning championships. Who cares? So he would know... But he didn't have money at the time, so he wouldn't know the money is is better. You than think he didn't have money at Alabama? Didn't <laughs> <laughs> have as much money. Okay, I don't think it's a lie. But it sounds like you do. I don't think it's a lie. I just I well, it, I don't. I mean, it's it doesn't. My point is is like whether it's the lie or the truth. He doesn't. He wouldn't know. So he he doesn't even know if it's the lie or the truth or not because he he doesn't have a championship. Okay. Uh, this one from Charlie Baker, the NCAA president. Quote, I don't think you'll find very many student-athletes who want to be employees, end quote. Lie. Yeah, that's a lie. Although, is this being one being an employee equals money, lie. Right. Like, why would they not want it? And, and it's also security in terms of the scholarship stuff. You can sign contracts like, Correct. of course, you'd want to be paid yeah. um, and not have to worry about going out and doing NIL <laughs> deals. You could still do NIL deals even if you were an employee. Yeah. I think this is a lie. The only question is, does Charlie Baker actually believe he's... Like, Charlie Baker might actually believe this is He the might truth. think this is the truth. If he's the yeah. NCAA president. He's like, hey, I talked to one student athlete right. who said he didn't want to be an employee. All student athletes don't want to be employed. Yeah. I went and talked to some to some kids at Harvard, and they said they don't want to be employed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is a lie. Whether it's from him or lie. overall. Yeah. Uh, CNN study. French fries. They're greasy, starchy, and a comfort food for many. Yet, new research suggests that French fries may be linked to depression. Okay, I'm 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 confused. Who slash why are we doing <laughs> anti French fry propaganda? I know. What is what is up with that? 
I mean, how sad do you have to be to do anti-French fry propaganda? There are not many things that people can agree on that they enjoy in this world. Have you ever ate French, French fries, fries once and been like, I'm so unhappy? Like, the only way... Well, no, I think they're saying that people are depressed, so they eat French fries to make themselves feel better. Yeah, like, maybe that's, what, that's what it is. Maybe it's also a bit of like, I guess if you... But you understand what I'm saying? Know. Why would you attack French fries, one of the only things that we can agree on Universally nowadays? Universally loved. Yes. Universally loved. And you're going to attack French fries. Have you ever met someone who doesn't like French fries? No, I haven't. That's I the whole haven't. point of the discussion. That's sure the whole point. Do so, you think there's one person listening to this going like, I hate French fries? Well, okay. Maybe. Do you think it's... Do you think... I don't even know if this is possible. What if you're like allergic to potatoes? Is that a thing? I, can you be, be. Can you be allergic to anything? I don't Probably, know. Maybe. Um, I mean, if you I have but, an opinion, but there's that. a difference between being allergic to something and hating the way something tastes. Yes, right. I agree with that. Like yeah. you could just, I could hypothetically be allergic to peanut butter, but be like, man, I wish I could eat peanut butter, even though I couldn't. But I, I'm not sure. allergic. to peanut And I know butter a lot of people worth. that who are lactose intolerant that still like eat ice cream. Yes, and then they just, just deal so with, delicious. Yeah, they just right? deal with the the. Pain, that has to be the ultimate like way of describing how great ice cream is. <laughs> that literally people who are basically allergic to it. We'll eat it because it is that good. Uh, okay, on to the next one. PJ so I, Tucker. This is a, oh, sorry. The, the, sorry, I just wanted to clarify. The mm -hmm. CNN lie. It's a lie. It's a lie to divide us once mm -hmm. again What if about the potato wrote the article? Doesn't want us eating more French fries. Well, I'm going to eat more French fries then. <laughs> okay. Um, this one from uh, PJ Tucker. Italian food in America is way better than Italian food in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is just so funny. It's, I, this is so funny. It's got to be the truth. No, I mean, you got to believe. Uh, okay, well, I mean, there are people who like Dude, immigrate from. Have you Italy ever had Fazoli's? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talk wow. about high class, Man, you know, high quality, <laughs> straight from America, yeah, farm to table sure. Italian food. Whenever somebody asks me like, "What's the best pizza place in Lawrence?" and they're like, "You know, I want authentic like Italian pizza," I, I'm like, "You know, there's this local spot." over on Iowa Street called Sabaro. And it's just, it's so authentic. No, no, this is so stupid. No. Yeah, I know a place in uh, in Rome where mm -hmm. you can get authentic <laughs> Italian food. It's called McDonald's. No. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is this is obviously a lie. There are many great, great Italian food places, many places where people well, come question. over from Italy. Did, did, but does, Has PJ had Italian food in Italy? Probably not. So then how can know, he make maybe. that claim? Huh, he might, maybe. I don't Someone know. needs to do some hardcore investigative journalism and determine if PJ Tucker actually has had Italian Italian food. All right, Steve Sarkeesian. Like, do they call Italian food Italian food in Italy? They just call it food. <laughs> well, I mean, we call American food American food here. Like, So you, you think know, they call it Italian burger. food in Italy? No, I don't think they do. You I think, think they just food? call it food. <laughs> I think they do, yeah. Cuisine. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, the Texas head coach claims that Arch Manning does not have any NIL deals. Sarkeesian said the Manning family doesn't want him to have any until he is start the starting quarterback. Okay, my initial reaction to this coming was... Coming from on three. My initial reaction to this was lie. But the second part about the Manning family not like wanting him to have to earn, I'm kind of I'm kind of buying into that, actually. I'm kind of buying that. I, I buy into that. And he... I mean, his family has so much money that they have the nest egg. I yeah, do that's think the other point about it. Like... It's not like Arch Manning is wanting right. for money. I do think this is partially like the idea that he doesn't have any NIL deals. That, I believe he does, but they might be based on that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they have them ready to go. Oh, for sure. Like they've got them lined up. Yes. Yes. But I, I am buying the Manning yeah, family. I can buy part. that. I'm buying that. All right. We're being truthful today. Uh, Dewan Clayton. He is a 
Cal guard who entered the transfer portal. He began his college career in 2016, playing Wait, parts what? of five seasons at Coppin State. Then he played two games at Hartford in 21-22, and then eight games at Cal last year. So this will be his eighth year of college basketball. He entered the transfer portal. So Dewan Clayton claiming to be eligible. Lie detector That's test. That's got to be a lie. How's that even possible? How is he eligible? Can you just get unlimited like medical red shirts if you only I, play like a small amount of games I, for a I, year? I, I, I don't know. I guess. Maybe. I figured at some point they would have been like, all right, dude, you got to move this on. This is the ultimate test of like, like, let's say, you know, somebody's like 35 and they like went to college and dropped out after like two years. Do they technically have two years of eligibility left at that point? Um, I thought that I thought the rule was like once your clock starts, it just like it goes. Like, you know what, what I mean? mean? Like what do you mean? I don't know what you mean. Like if if you if you play two years of college and then you sit out two years, unless you have like a reason, you can get that waiver. You're just done. Like oh. the, the clock continues. But on. what if you never played? If you never played from the so get go, that went to I do college not college for like two years, mm -hmm. and then you were like, I'm dropping out of college. But you never played. You never played for know. that college. And then when you're like in your 30s, you just randomly turn to LeBron yeah, James. I and you're like, you I'm going to come back to college. I think you could as long as you didn't play, play professional in that sport okay. at any point. I think you okay. could. But I don't know that for sure. Uh, last one, DeAndre Hopkins. All right. DeAndre Hopkins posted a uh, on Instagram from Phoenix, Arizona, a little video. And he said, quote, I see everybody telling me to stay. Who said I want to go? Who said I want to leave? End quote. So we have three quotes here to break down. Let's start with the first one. I see everybody telling me to stay. Lie, not a lie. Yeah, definitely lots of people are telling him to go to their team specifically. So who's telling him to stay? Not everybody, right? A lot of people. Everybody. No, everybody, no apparently. No, this that part's lie. a lie. Okay. okay. Who said I want to go? Uh, I thought you did. There were reports <laughs> that <laughs> there were reports that said you were asking for a trade. So lie. Okay, but he didn't say he said who said I want to go? He didn't clarify go where. So what if uh -huh. it was like, I want to go to the mall, to the mall, to to training camp. Maybe he doesn't want to go to training camp. Hmm. And he's saying, who said I want to go to training camp? Okay. Okay. I'm, this is the truth. This is true. <laughs> All right. Last one. Who said I want to leave? I guess technically these can't be lies. They're just questions, right? <laughs> Can a question be a lie? But he is insinuating that no one said that stuff. That's that's what I'm taking. Yeah, I guess is that what you're taking yeah. from it? Uh, yes, I'm the insinuation is that uh, yeah. nobody said he okay, wants I, to leave. I don't think a question can be a lie, but I think the overall you when you put all these three a, together and you talk okay. about the insinuation, you it's a lie. You can definitely ask a question that's a lie. Can you? I feel like you can, but it's a question. You're not at, you're not making a statement of fact. You're asking if that is a fact. But but okay, but he made a statement of fact to start with. I see everybody telling me to stay. That's a statement. Yeah, that part's a lie. And the overall, when and you then combine when you, the three, yes, it is a lie. The three put together. But I think the two, because their questions cannot be lies. I don't know if I agree with that. Because he's just asking, who said I want to leave? Who said? Who? You know, I'm not disagreeing. Well, I'm, I'm just, saying it. Okay. Me. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's Lie Detector Test. This is RCST on KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.